welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the Beast World Furry, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 514. Oh my goodness, here we are, Eric, and you're a furry now. I remember you way back in the day had a video against werewolf people. I still have a thing that's werewolf people. <laughs> Pretty good. You don't like the werewolf people? How about the no. wolf, the wolf man, man, though? Do you like the wolf Obviously, man? Obviously, I love the wolf man. He, he ain't a pretender. He's the wolfman. It was the pretender deal. It was was that pre-furry or were furries like a thing at that point? It was a long time ago. Look, the thing is, you say that you you had the like you know Stanley Kubrick's The Shining going on in that in the past when you people had dressed up at a like a masquerade ball as bears so, like sucking off other people. I don't know what's going on. I think there have always been furries. We had a mention of that in this week's Invisibles uh, by Grant Morrison with me and my man Gray doing our Grant Morrison podcast, which is a good segue. And to telling everybody that if you enjoy what you hear as we go through these books and want to help us out and get more podcasts, including the play of the weekly DC Comics Badass Spotlight, a show that comes out every Thursday night, you go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where this week the badasses, the Get Fresh crew, they pick the... Titans Beast World Tour Metropolis number one. A lot of colons in there, Eric. And Titans sure Beast World Waller Rising number one. So if you want to listen to either or both of those, go over to our Patreon. Again, I will repeat it's patreon.com slash weird science. Uh, you know, speaking of colons, Eric, I'm having some problems. I told you before we started usual. that I ended up where I decided that it was the lot same day over and over again with you. Now, there's a lot of things. It's Groundhog's Day, but it's, you know, something else. Uh, Stupid day. <laughs> I decided that there's a lot of things that, you know, are out and about that I've never eaten that I've I decided or cooked. So I decided the last couple of days of one of them is as silly as risotto, Eric. I've never had it. So I, right. I had some risotto pretty good. Made it with some caramel or car- caramel caramelized onions. Some caramelized Yeah, caramelized onions uh, But the other thing I saw this week And I'm like, you know what? I've never tried it My mom had it at points when I was growing up But I was too kind of queasy about it But I ended up making and eating lamb today I ended up making a lamb loin roast type deal I Nobody wanted to eat it with me Had it with some potatoes, Eric So I'm eating it and It tastes good It was really good But I noticed that it was a little bit red it wasn't pink, Eric, but I've never cooked it before. And most of the times you cook it, it says to make it like a medium well, medium rare, mm-hmm. whatever it would be. So I'm eating and it's pretty decent. I thought it was pretty good. Started getting a little queasy. Tanya comes downstairs, looks at it, and actually seemed to vomit in her mouth and said that it was nowhere any bit beyond like barely cooked rare. But I cooked it for a while. <laughs> then I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty red there, but who knows, Eric? So it's the way it's supposed to be. I'm sure you're fine, and nobody in your house has ever seen lamb before in their I've lives. I've never actually cooked it before, and I was using pictures and I followed recipes uh, online. And when I looked at the picture, I'm like, it is a little teeny bit more red, but not really fine. that crazy. But I think that it mainly was a little too rich for old Jimmy boy. You know, growing up, I didn't eat a lot of fancy food, and it is a bit fatty. And if there's fat, speaking of you, Eric. If there's fat on something, you should maybe cut it off. I don't. I just eat it all. I get the full experience, but I am a little queasy. Speaking of fatty, though, it's your birthday week. Everybody should wish you a happy birthday. Also, I will say, too, that I thought that this episode was, like, right on. I'm like, this is going to be the best. I actually slept for, like, 
15 hours last night I just passed out and I turned off my alarm and I just kept on sleeping Eric and I like all right everything's great and then I have to eat lamb which yeah. again it's it's if you want to got something to do you got to fuck it up obviously well I thought that it was going to be pretty good I wasn't going to make it I was going to make it yesterday and then that ended up not happening so I figured well I'll make it while I'm reading the books and things like that but I still think I might. I, I think you can tell I'm a little bit on it right now. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit queasy. <laughs> I'm keeping What's things that mean? You're a little bit on it. I, I'm not all over scattered like usual, right? I'm right on yeah. it, Eric. I'm I'm in here. I'm ready for you these. Tell one books. story. I'm ready. To, yeah. By this point, I would have tried, attempted to tell like eighty. So see, I'm on it. But now I don't see. There you go. Jump I don't remember it. what I was saying. It's Eric's <laughs> birthday week, so everybody wish Eric a birthday. Happy birthday, because dare. that will definitely upset him. We definitely may will. or may not have some fancy celebrity uh, birthday wishes later. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Fancy? But we do have a plethora of books, so we at least have that going on. And we have a big book, Batman. Some other books as well. We'll see how those oh, are. Oh, the again, books are big, Jim. To somebody. Well, they are. I'm sure there's somebody out there that thinks that you're the big person in their life, but not to everybody. Uh, that's a little person, Eric. But shout out to Andrew in Belfast, who seriously, every day I think he gets up and like, ooh, how am I going to get Jim O'Reilly? <laughs> he sends me tweets, and then me and him go off and fight with people. He, he like, it's a call to arms with Andrew. Uh, but I do like getting the call to arms. This week was an odd week in comics in general. We have that big fight still going on. It, it's the weird fight now. It's between... People who say that, hey, we got to get comics back on track, whatnot. And then it seems a lot of creators saying, screw you. They're on track because we're doing them. I don't know. We get caught in the middle. It's like a big snowball fight, right? Just to point out to everybody, we're not in any sort of side of a fight. We, we never Absolutely have been. Not. Eric especially. Eric likes to crawl. When we're done the podcast, I think I told this to somebody that when we're done, you crawl back under that rock and you're like, you don't want to get involved in any fights. You don't want to get no. involved of Why this. Would I? Well, because it's interesting, Eric. Is it? <laughs> People will think if I say something or me and you tonight, we talk about a book in general and we say, well, that doesn't upset us. We'll get attacked by people who I don't understand. Like they have to really attack you because. You're not upset about what they're upset. It, it just doesn't work in my head. But speaking of which, got blocked by like 10 people yesterday. And I didn't. I was just joking around. I like yeah, the jokes. You're joking. I like the jokes. You're, I right, you're a joker. <laughs> you're the joker written by Matthew Rosenberg. That's what you are. <laughs> that, them's fight books. If you say that, I'm going to come and kick your ass. But I ended up, Ron Mars blocked me. Eh, you know, I was having Ron fun Mars. with him this week. It's just weird place. People were all. Up in arms about all sorts of things Just wanted to point that out Eric Just wanted to let everybody know But again we're going to have some books tonight That might trigger some people and things like that But we don't play that We we just end up coming here Honestly talk about the books And what we think about them That's why Eric I think to get fresh crew uh, uh, Are some of the best uh, Any ridiculous person who would listen At points to 12 hours of a comic book podcast I think they're hardcore, and I think they know what's going on there, and maybe need a life like us, because we're the ones recording it, but we have all of us have a life together, Eric. This is what I like to call (laughs) You got there. On point. See, Eric, I'm on the money. On the money I am, and I I say that. (sighs) Here we go. You don't have your list, David Fink, I didn't have it up yet. David Fink, Trevor. 
Dad Nation. Yo, yo. Eric K. Jeffrey Greek. Zach Walker. Back to just Zach. It's oh. not the Zach who's huggable. Wasn't that what he called Give it time. So? Give it Steven time. Steven Dad Mitchell, the Annihilator. Ted Probes, I love Punchline. Stuart. Michael S. Cam. Matt Razor. Niels. A T-Wart. Steven Baum. Jason Colby. Sue 42 to you and me. Michael G. Ken Halleck. Comic Boom. Brock A. Scary Potter. Mark sure Jager. Scary, <laughs> Summerween. Bill Abir of the Bat Pod. Ruben. Carlos. No Wolf Marv. Matthew Rapier. Luke Hollywood, Simon Luis, man, shoot. Andrew in Belfast, he's a mixer, that guy. Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Million, Batman Beyond, a Mark, Brandy Murray, that's Brandon up there in Canada, Buffalo, really, and Double Aaron in Minnesota. Doxing is this. I didn't think I was going to get done. All time greats, Reginald Drinkwater. And Rob Lewis. Uh-uh. Does this, what is going on? It's just like, okay, there we no, go. No, no, no. It's just that you didn't stop in the middle to give somebody a, a story about somebody you just named. Well, that means I didn't do my job, Eric. Let's do this all over again. Hey, everybody. Now, I was going to bring up the uh, story. See, I would have. Ruben, he gets a hold of me today, and he's like, man, I'm reading the old Wildstorm books. Uh-huh. Or maybe it was Wildcats he's reading. I'm reading okay. Wildcats. And man, those first two issues are awesome. And I said to him, I did read Wildcats number one for a back issues. It was rough. <laughs> it was so rough. It's so just everything thrown at you. We are going to have some mail tonight. But the one mail does mention kind of what you were talking about at one point about how you uh, are, you know, really surprised that comics were able to survive even the golden age because of how crazy they were. But. I'm we'll telling you, people that. had to have gotten smarter because that was entertainment back in the forties. Like the people just didn't have anything going on upstairs. Well, well, seriously, what what were you going to do? You either read a comic or you're fucking doing a ball on a stick or a hoop on a stick, a ball on a stick. I mean, even that when they're like, I saw something with uh, Yogi Bear. There's a new Yogi Bear documentary. I love Yogi. And the documentary's whole concept is people remember Yogi. People b- remember Yogi for just being a goofball. The guy was one of the best baseball players of all time. That gets overlooked. But he was talking about how guy hey, barely boo-boo. ever struck out. Yeah, they were also mad about that, by the way. They tried to fight the deal, but Yogi didn't trademark his name. So it was a weird. But at one point he was talking about, oh, I didn't strike out because when I was a kid, I'd play stickball. But it was the stickball where you hit bottle caps. I'm like, what the hell? Like, they had nothing, Eric. I mean, you go back in time, nothing. You're, you're hitting bottle caps with a fucking stick. That was, you know, the big thing. Comics, they were wondrous. 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 <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't know what to hit some bottle caps with a stick. This is going to be interesting tonight, Eric. I have some problems here. Oh my Do goodness you? gracious! Yeah, What's your own point? I thought I was. It was my jinx. We're going to go up. We're going to start off the books. Like I said, we have a plethora of books. Six books, including things like Batman and maybe even oh. a Poison Ivy. We have all oh. of Eric's favorites. We'll get to those in just a minute. Shit free. 
Ah, that's Zornar. What a son of a bitch. (laughs) It's one of those things that we used to talk about Zornar. You know, not a lot, but we'd bring it up and it would just end up having you get pissed off about Grant Morrison. Boy, I hate R.I.P. Yeah, I never thought we were going to go that heavy back into R.I.P. Zornar stuff, but here we are. And obviously the Chip Zdarsky Batman book is what we're going to start with. And the the play is you end up having Chip Zdarsky. You were enjoying it. You actually, while you're not a huge Grant Morrison fan, you were kind of pining or longing for the Bat God. And it was because Batman just hadn't been able to do anything. I mean, he really was, as my kids say about me, a simp, Eric. He hadn't been doing much. Tom King's run really centered on, you know, Selena. Catwoman, you know, kind of calling the shots. Just dealing with Detective Comics is coming out at the same time. In that series, Batman can't do anything. In that series, it's always somebody else who has to save his ass. I wanted Batman to be competent in at least one book. That is true, Eric. Did you like back in the day when he was a goddamn pterodactyl? Did you no, like that? Like that. <laughs> Remember at one point I did seem, I didn't coin the phrase there, but I'd like to say that Batman I was Batman the one, Dark Knight in the New 52 was awful. That was so bad. Remember Dark Knight? And then even as we went on, one of the big things that I kept saying about a lot of things in Detective was he was just bad at his job. I kept saying that to you. We'd say it on the podcast and in reviews. But then it just became a thing. And I think that it lulled everybody into that play of, uh, that's Batman. Like, he's always not knowing things. I mean, even in Tynan's Detective, people really liked it. There's you screaming because Batman seems to have, like, 80 different organizations that he never knew about. They're, they're working in Gotham under his nose. He ended up, the Court Owls started all that stuff. But then the League of Shadows, this, that, the other thing. And Batman was pretty incompetent. Then we get out of Tom King's run, we get into... You know, this whole Infinite Frontier deal. And, and even then, right after Tom King, and, and you had a Batman who keeps losing the city. He can't keep or maintain Gotham. Even now in the Detective Comics by Ram V, you end up where he's losing it again. He's going to be hung. So we get to this Chip Zdarsky deal. Pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. The failsafe people seem to like it. But once like you it. jump from the moon... Uh, to the Perfect. you know the Arctic, you liked it still. I was kind of you know eh, kind of think it was cool. great until we went to the multiverse, and even that story started out strong until everything had to be about the Joker, and then Zero and R across the multiverse. We still haven't left that part, even with a Gotham War in between. We're right back to where we left off at the worst parts of that book, and so that and the weird play. And I think you're right. We liked it. It started to get kind of wonky. I didn't mind the multiverse stuff as much as you did. A lot of people said it was just member berries and things like that. The problem I have, and what you're saying as well, is then we stopped for night terrors. We, we, we ended pretty much at like the worst possible time where everybody's like, oh, man, you just jumped in the wall terrors. Remember when Batman comes back there in the manor and all yeah. the kids are all having fun. They're on fire. Having We're like, what kicks. the hell was that? Yeah, we had to wait for two months. Then when we get done that, we have to go a couple more months with the Gotham War. So when you get to where we are now, some of the stuff that we were really digging is like barely a memory anymore. It's been so far off. And one of the big things is people were saying, what the fuck happened to to failsafe? The guy was controlled. At one point, he had turned Barbara Gordon into a cyborg. And that just got pushed aside. And there's so much time between. Duplicated himself, had failsafe robots taking over Gotham City. Again, another time losing it. But in the meantime... You know, what did happen to him? What's going on? Batman comes back out of night terrors, out of the Gotham War, and 
Zornar, big deal, really pushing the Joker thing. And then we get to where we are now in the last issue. We were okay. It, it kind of was a little goofy, but we get this one. We'll see what we think. It's Batman number 140, written by Chip Starsky, art by Jorge Jimenez, Tomo Moray, and Clayton Coles. And there is a back. Mind Bomb that Part we'll, 2. We'll get Mind Bomb Part 2. Eric, and this is pretty much a fight issue. It's a fight on two fronts of the mind, Bruce Wayne, and in the here and now, which kind of Zorn R. Batman verse is the Joker. I have said to you that I really think we're getting towards the point where Batman, whether it's Zoranar, whether it's whatever, is going to kill the Joker. He kind of might cripple him here. And this is the play I thought that what they were going to do is... Listen, Joker, I'm going to break your goddamn back. The push, though, for... I mean, suddenly... Not suddenly, because they always push it, but Jason Todd. Oh, I want to make you better and whatever. I'm so bad. And Jason's still pissed off. You didn't kill the Joker, you son of a bitch. Now, at this point, I keep asking you how many Jokers there are because they have the three Jokers, but then 17. a bunch got killed. Then we had that. Then we had this. Now we have these. But the play I thought was Batman will kill the Joker. Oh my God, everybody will be all up in arms, but we'll figure it's, well, it's not Batman. It's, it's Zornar. He's under control. And when you see him break, and a couple of themes this week, one of them is breaking backs. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of those, but. In this, when he does break his back and he's so over the top with Zornar, I'm going to cripple you. I'm going to do that. I realized that my prediction, while I thought it might be kind of a cool little twist to go for, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But in that, I don't mind the stuff with Batman and the, you know, Batman chasing Joker around. We haven't really seen Batman kick ass. And well, even the time, idea so of him kicking ass, even though you have the purest form of like Batman, the Zornar, that is not going to hold back or play any of Joker's games. He's still constantly getting his ass kicked by the Joker as well, and they're just playing rabass, chase me around the block a few times, just beating each other up until ultimately when Batman passes out and then like you know wakes up to the idea that Zuranar took control of everything and is going to put himself into a new body. This whole fight between the Joker and Zur, it is almost I don't even want to say window dressing because there's barely well, anything it here. Is. That's like, the problem, you, like, right? The main point of the story seems to be Batman or Bruce Wayne of the mind fighting multiversal versions of Zuranar, which get this. When Batman was falling through the multiverse trying to get home, the Zurin R's of everybody else's mind, they came over for a lift in his mind somehow, because obviously that makes sense. It's an Uber. He said when he touched the Zingo. I think he might have gotten a little inappropriate when he when you touch those Batman. I can just see it in the multiverse. They're going around the multiverse with this stuff, Daniel. Where did Batman touch you? The funny play I said that there's a theme with the back breaking. There must also be a little bit of a synergy theme with me and your brain because I actually wrote my notes grab ass as well. So that makes me laugh when you said it. But when you have this, I, again, it's a very quick read. I kind of infer some things that I don't mind, but it doesn't really work that way. The idea of those Zornar in the minds. I wish that instead of them saying, hey, when you touch these other Batman, we have, were able to jump ship and go into your mind. because then yeah, they have to that's kind how of minds twist, work. And then they have to twist and turn it at one point and saying, we're going to take care of you, then we're going to jump back to where we're from to take care of I'm like, it's not how it works that way either. And then we're going to be a Zurinar army. Yeah, I wish that somehow, maybe the better explanation is that Zurinar was able to grab them. It still won't make sense, but... I like the play here that Zoranar, who wants to take over Batman, might have had that play of, I need to get Bruce Wayne kind of occupied, because it would be Occupado here in his mind, fighting off all of those other Zoranars. I think that that seems like a better play, but it didn't really play out like that. 
But you have Batman, and, and again, Chip Zdarsky here. I just think Chip Zdarsky wants to show you Batman can kick ass. Like you said, Zoranar should, shouldn't stop. Well, you keep getting the play where I think Chip Zdarsky wants you to pretend that he set it up fully that Bruce is still fighting Zoranar back, that he, he should really kick the Joker's ass, but then Bruce pulls him back. But it's not really that because he's in the mind fighting off the Zoranars. And it is again. It's and kind even of, the idea where, like, you have the the Zirinar, which is supposed to be the pure, unbridled Batman, nothing holding him back, like humanity, Bruce Wayne family, any of that stuff. But let's just even consider the mindscape, just an actual place to fight. Our Batman is still able to take all these assholes down, no problem, even though they're all Zirinard up. Yeah, well, Eric, they get into the, you know, the memory palace. I mean, when you go to the Memory Palace, what are you going to do? I mean, That's seriously. I like the idea of the Memory Palace. I, like, I think Stephen King coined Memory Warehouse, which I've gone with for like, you know, 20 years now at this point. But uh, I like the idea of having a safe spot inside your mind where you can like lock away your memories and things that you need to get a hold of. Even the idea of you have that sub-personality like Zern R locked away in there that can come out that's safely protected from the rest of your mind. It's always a cool idea. I like to hear, but it's like... I'm Batman in my mind palace, going to use my mind powers to make an MC Escher painting. And now I'm going to fight the Zillionaires, no problem. And like, you know, like just doing like Adam West stuff. Here's like Michael Keaton doing Michael Keaton stuff. And then stuff, it becomes like, backyard kid fighting when you, you get to that too. And why I like the idea of the memory palace where I think like that it's a misplay. You were, you were doing such a good work with the back guy. Now it's like, okay, here's Goofy Batman. I'm like, I guess we're walking a fine line. I didn't realize. Where I think the memory palace is a misplay. It's cool. But it really does, once you get the Escher deal, the look, it almost feels like I'm supposed to believe that he wins because they're not really good at running up and down staircases. What I wanted That's to hard. do because... I get winded. Oh, I know. Uh, my my mortal enemy. The idea, though, in the memory palace where he says, you know, this is not not just a place where he stores the good stuff or hides the bad stuff. It, it actually is a memory, you know, a dedic type of deal where he says, the things that are important, the things I have to know... I keep, I wish this memory palace included, like, as he goes against, I don't know which Batman, the, the, the year 100 Batman. And he thinks back at some other, like, call out something that he fought somebody quite like that. And he uses that to fight him. Like, the idea that it would be, oh, this is how Batman does end up at the last. He's well, always prepared be a dream because of everything he's And just done. be like, hey, I'm well, just going to imagine is. this stuff in my hand. That's all he is, because you end up where the big play, and I think maybe it was lost in it, because I actually asked two people, oh, what'd you think of that? And they're like, was that in there? It's like so quick, I guess, but when you have the shield, the bat shield, and then you have the anti-bat anti shield, shield razors. Like, really? Is, yeah, I don't, I don't need it. We're just being goofy, because really, you could just end up, if you're going to play that game, it's almost like a, a Mixelplick type deal, where it ruins everything. He could just think, Okay, I want a hammer that destroys every single Zornar Batman, and he could do it. He's in the mine. It just ends up kind of anti Zornar hammer. Yeah, anti Zornar spray, and just sprays him, kills him off. Also, this is something you know that always drives me nuts, but it really drove me nuts here. Where Batman, he has to tell us that these aren't real people in his mind. They're they're Zornars. Oh. You get that? They're Zornars. The say so. I can actually you didn't fit all the people them. in your film. Yeah, you, I get all upset even when we had failsafe. The idea of like, oh, he's this, he's a robot, he's this. I'm like, we well, know, just get on with it. But in the mind, Batman telling me it's okay for him to really go ham on these Batman because get this, they're not real. <laughs> like, really? Why are you telling me this? But 
The art's pretty cool, Eric. No, and, I enjoyed uh, the art throughout this, even the backup. I like that he's trying to uh, protect Lucy, one of his former mentors. But that kind of gets lost in the shuffle as well. The original Catburger that he fell in love with. And it kind of seems like no, that's like there. Yeah, she is. He's all into it. Uh, it's it's there to just continue that fight, and it's weird. I wish that there was a play here to show maybe why Zornar might be. But you know what I mean? I don't know how you do it, but the idea where we're doing something, and he does defeat the Joker in a way that we're like, oh, my God, maybe Zornar would be better. But, but we don't get that. It's just a fight. And at one point, you, you just have, like you said, you think that a real Zornar would just destroy the Joker. And yeah, Batman, Bruce Wayne's coming in and out. And one last thing, too, about the fight. And this is a really quick issue. I mean, it flies oh, yeah. by because it's a fight. It's another one of those. And I know it's a Zornar thing, but we have it in the Gotham, the Gargoyle of Gotham book. There's a lot of books that reference it. It's something that was part of the Dark Knight stuff. Frank Miller, the idea of a Bruce, Bruce Wayne needs to go. There only has to be a Batman. Well, you know that's not ever going to happen. I don't like the idea of Zernar for a whole. I thought it was a cool idea using him as an like an enemy to this whole idea of like you know like the, the, the personality coming out and saying like you're weak, I'm better than this. I like that here because it's so it's it's a lot cooler in my mind than anything that R.I.P. did. Now, when you go to Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, uh, I almost said Rises, but The Dark Knight Returns, I love the idea where you know Bruce Wayne has put Batman behind him for like ten years now, but now out of nowhere, as the city's getting worse and worse. The Batman of him is creeping up, even making him shave in the middle of the night. He doesn't remember doing it. Yeah, coming well, Batman cool. without him knowing until he finally embraces it as a whole. And I'm like, I love that so much. But it's and it, here's the where I think there's some Batman's a psychopath. There's some subtle things, but again, this is we had it just recently. I said in that gargoyle of Gotham where well, I got to kill the Bruce Wayne persona and setting up that whole place so even yeah. people out and about think Bruce Wayne is dead and that it just is grabbed from Dark Knight Returns which we said when we reviewed that but kills himself just becomes Paul Meredith I want to see a thing here and again there's a lot of things that I think I might like and I'll, I'll admit I read this three times and each time I read it I did like it a little more each time usually when I don't like something it keeps going down so there's something here but I don't think it plays out the idea I said last issue Zornar has now become the Joker. The idea of the family makes you weak. This is something that me and you and the podcast that we've had over all these years. You get the Joker always coming back. Death of yeah. the family, that's all it was about. So what I really want to see here, yeah, it's, it's a classic trope, but what I wanted to see here, because that's what Zornar's doing now, is Joker actually realizing he done messed up that that's not what like the idea of like oh crap I'm the, getting the what I always Joker wanted. Joker needs machines to breathe right now. I don't know if he's thinking outside the box too much. Again, yeah, he's gonna be in a box. Outside there. The I mean, seriously, uh, the idea though is I wanted this to be where the Joker's like oh this is and at one point he's having a ball. He's like this is great. He's running around and he realizes you know what at the I I do kind of need the Batman with restraints because yeah this is bullshit but he. Never gets to that, and you get again a lot of the things that Chip Zdarsky does. It's kind of that, hey, it, it is. Remember this? Remember that? Hey, and it's Batman breaking the back. And it's so weird though, because when Bruce finally does wake up after all of this trauma in the real life and outside life, and he realizes that now Zurin R is in a new body, a new robot body due to Batman's Terminus project. That's something he would activate if he became too weak to go on. 
Zurinar is now in a Batman robot body. And it's like, it's okay to a degree because it's what you and I both wanted Zurinar to have his own body. But I really wish you would have called back to Scott Snyder's Genesis Project, that idea of cloning Batman for each generation. And when Bruce got That'd too old, I'm able to do it. Where he actually had a physical body that Batman could go up against, where you had two opposing figures that were evenly matched. Now, you said Zurinar and pretty much a fail-safe robot. It seems like, when did you... When did you activate the, the the Terminus project, though, like the idea of that? Because let's just say, like they acknowledge it's failsafe. That was the failsafe project that Zer and R made. Why is it exactly the same as the Terminus project that Bruce seems to know about? I think that what here's the thing. Again, we're going to have to see how the next issue goes. But how and I I said I did a video review of this and I talked to some other people on things and whatnot. But when I said it, I said at the end, it's a big ending. Like, if you see, if you look at it one way, if you look at another, you're kind of, I asked five, legitimately, Eric, my joke, five people, I think I said this on the spotlight as well, I asked five people what happened at the end, and I got six answers, because yeah. somebody, oh, it's Failsafe that came back. No, 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 it's 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 uh, Zornar, who, Zornar is the one who made the Failsafe deal, I'm assuming that this Terminus project, again, involves what might end up finding out. I mean, I might be complete, Joker might be dead. Because it does seem like the idea of Batman, but why would it be different of killing Penguin than killing Joker? And it feels like this Terminus Project because, but it says, wait a minute, and says, oh my God, you did it too soon. You end up with the Terminus Project. So what was it that got activated? How with Zoranar there being fully in control ends up doing it and then seems to be in the body of failsafe or a failsafe here. It's just a crazy – I thought the ending was like, holy shit, like I want to see what happens next. So it works as a cliffhanger. But I am kind of like, well, what really is going on and how does this work? And I'm afraid because of how Chip Zdarsky has played loose with some things. And like you said, the Genesis Project that is in this continuity with Scott Snyder in his run would have been a better play. But Because now you have the Failsafe Project on top of the Terminus Project, which might be the same project because you have the two same – the same identical type of robots, but one is activated if Batman kills somebody that Batman doesn't know about because they're an R created. But then Batman created the Terminus Project. If he got too weak, he could actually activate a bat robot or possibly just put his mind inside of a bat robot. Exactly, Eric. That's just what you said. <laughs> so when, when you have this, I think that, again, there's that weird play, and I think Chip Zdarsky's even Genesis. working with this. I think that he ends up, you mean the band? So do I. No. I actually, so yes. do I. Yes, I do. <laughs> so you end up. I think that Chip Darcy's still struggling to get back to his own story from all that layoff and the, you know, the whole Gotham. So he's going big in some areas here that don't really have that great an explanation. But by the end, I'm like, okay, did you laugh, though, that at one point the Joker yelled that he was in phase two trying to catch up the punchline? Eric, did you, did you get that? that he's no, like, no, I did not. What a punchline to be like, well, I'm in phase three already. What are you doing there? Poor punchline. Again, what? What Chip Zdarsky is doing since coming back from all that, and even before jumping off the moon, things like that, they are these wow moments. They're these big moments, but for some reason, they don't hit as as big a wow that they should, I think. And sometimes they kind of get pushed aside to get to the next big moment. But at the end, I don't know, it looks like he, you know, the whole play we said, and that's the funny thing. You're talking about this. We did think that. Eventually, Zornar was going to get into some sort of robot body, some sort of construct body that he'd be able to Just be his own body. thing. And uh, there he is. So we'll see what that means. We'll see how this goes. I don't know, but 
we then move on and the art like i said i really like the art to our first story really good but we then get the savage garden of gotham part two with chip sadarsky mike hawthorne art with ivan placentia and clayton coles on that and it's the vandal savage stuff and i don't know i i was reading this and i it wasn't anything that i thought was you know oh my god this is so cool and great well, vandal savage has been invited to a secret cabal of billionaires that want to <clears throat> pardon me Get more control in the city after everything's gone haywire from the Gotham War where the thieves are coming out of nowhere to steal from them. And Vandal Savage is going to put him back on track by using his skills and brute force. Did you think at one point, I did look, I thought that this guy that they grabbed, this thief, I thought he was the guy who knew Bruce Wayne's identity. I thought it was Teddy. And I thought, oh, God, we're, we're really just getting rid of any sort of consequence from the Gotham War. And I looked, they say it's I don't not, remember I, what Teddy looks like. That's the problem. I don't either. And I looked it up and I'm like, no, they're saying it's not Teddy. And at least the things I can look up. But uh, to me, I'm like, it is. They're just, that Gotham War sucks. Boom, done. Oh, Jason well, Todd, he had this mind whamming. No, he doesn't. Vandal Savage, no, he isn't. Uh, the worst part about this whole thing, though, with Vandal Savage coming to the secret ball of billionaires and stuff like that, and him showing everybody that he's the alpha dog, oh, 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 is that I really wanted this to be a reintroduction to the Court of Owls trying to build up power again, and Vandal Savage is going to be the key to that, but it's just some random billionaire huh? assholes. I'm like, you could have been the Court of Owls. You could have been so much cooler than this. If the Court of Owls wouldn't have Kept coming back in lame ways. I mean, I'm talking like, oh, they are watered down the shit round. Green yeah. Arrow, the hard traveling hero deal. Ben everything Percy. after a quarter of hours and night of the owls. <laughs> like at that point, they were, he was chasing down. They were they were doing things like uh, bum fights in that. Then you had if it was only the only thing that I thought was intriguing was actually the James. We are Robin stuff. crew. If we could take out the yeah, butcher. they took him out. Yep, the butcher was done. Like I said, the James Tynan. Thing with uh, it might be Court of Owls or Talon. That was kind of interesting. Never really got it's resolved very well. But when you even have it in Hawkgirl, where you had that lame ass, like the Court of Owls are lame. I wish they never were, but and then you could see them rebuilding, even at the point where the big play at the end of this is to kind of say, hey, guess what? Vandal Savage might be the police commissioner and deal. I'm like, really? That sounds really stupid. But in the meantime, if they would have walked away and put masks on, it's like, oh, my God. It would have been a perfect think, ending. Yeah. And you would have thought, ooh, and it would have been cool because Vandal comes in, you know, with big Vandal energy. Hey, I don't care about you assholes. So I'm call my dick from now on, uh, Vandal what Savage. Are you, what are you guys into? Like, what, what did Vandal, what do you? I like to grab shit that I want. And they're like, ooh, this is the guy we need. I hear that. And, and I like the idea that he, <laughs> Vandal never would think that he's like somebody else is playing him. Not and I would have loved it at the end to think, it's oh my perfect. god, Vandal. and then you have that. Like, I was waiting shit. for that turn because I'm like, this has to be a court of vows, like trying to regroup power after everything we had. Because the last time I think they were around doing anything substantial, which they ended up fucking themselves, was metal by doing the freaking, what was that called? The um, dismantling on Batman and opening up his portal to the dark multiverse. Yeah. And, and they, you know, that's how they described all those things. Scott Snyder trying to be Scott Snyder there, but, and also a little Grant Morrison. Uh, I'll ask you, though, through this, and really all this is, is Vandal Savage been recognized as some of the hard hitters. They they talk about, oh, there's a lot of people robbing the rich, and we want to get things back, and you seem like a guy like that. And then at the end, they mention this commissioner. But am I wrong, Eric, if you ended up having a movie based on just this here that Roman Reigns would be the best Vandal Savage ever. He looks like Roman Reigns to me. I, I was waiting for him to some <laughs> Superman punch somebody out of nowhere. Acknowledge but, me. It's so crazy. But yeah, 
at the end with Vandal, if, if that guy would have walked away and the other people were like, they actually were in the next room and like, hey, what did they think? Oh, we got him. Well, that's the thing is we could still hold out hope with this backup continuing because right now, like, you know, they want him to run for police commissioner because it's an appointed position. Well, you don't even run it. It's appointed. Police. You don't have to run for it. They can just give it to him. Yeah. But like that whole idea, like when they say that, but like it's an appointed Why would position. He like, be for, that? I don't know. So you can take control of like the, the, the law and Gotham and anything that freaking you say goes essentially. He keeps jumping back there like, well, we want you to do this. Hey, it's no democracy with the Vandal Savage in town. All right, all right, but we'll do this. Hey, he keeps jumping in, but yeah, he says the police commissioner isn't an elected position. It's appointed. We got Sus Nakano. Oh, my, that guy's getting, he's probably the richest man in the DCU right now because he's getting paid <laughs> off by everybody. Oh, I mean, all everybody. All this gold. Oh, my God, he's got the Oregon gold. He's got this rich asses. I do think, though, when this is going on, 99.9% of the people reading it thought immediately, immediately thought these guys have to be involved with the Court of Battles. It, it almost is so on the money that I'm thinking, are they with the U.S.? Like, all oh, that stuff runs together now. It, it is a shame that Detective is telling a story that is kind of a skew. You know what I mean? They're very yeah. similar but different. It kind of throws me off. But at the end, I think Roman Reigns might end up being police commissioner. Again, I'm, what I'm, you, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the idea of this is Court of the Hours. We just haven't seen the reveal yet because that'd be so awesome and be more than we're actually seeing right here. But besides that, I'm like, I like the art in here. I like, I only got excited to my own ideas that weren't presented yeah. here because how well, cool that's my be. problem. Yeah, but I also like the idea of, like I said to you before, Vandal Savage being stuck in Gotham and almost being a Lex Luthor type of person to Batman in the Gotham City. I think that could be cool, but like. The overall story of the main bit, I don't like one bit because nothing happens except for, hey, I got a robot body now and you did stuff in the mind and like some member berries to Michael Keaton and some Adam West stuff, even though they're evil in your mind. I mean, it, it did nothing for me. It did nothing for me at all except for just make me wish we could go didn't back pique to your interest? fucking jumping off the moon back to Earth and surviving. <laughs> That's all you want. Why would if he jump from Earth to the moon? Would that be too do much it, for you? No, fuck it. Do it. Do you think Renee Montoya, of all the things that have been going on, do you think that she's doing a great job as the commissioner that they would want to get rid of her? I think she's spending half her time wondering, not, wondering, wondering if she should become the question or not, if she should <laughs> ban masks this entire time, because that's all she ever seems to be doing. Well, it's because everybody who goes in her damn office, everybody ends with, oh, you look like you have a question. It looks like you're trying to figure do out a you? question. And it keeps, <laughs> keeps throwing her. But in my mind, like the idea where we keep laughing about Nakano, these bad guys and gals why would you ever get rid of that guy i mean that guy is solid gold for you as well as the gold that you're paying him and then probably stealing back because he's such an idiot but yeah i i like the the regular story enough just because it feels like it, it's a weird play my score isn't going to be great but it feels like with this whole zornar in the fail safe maybe we're getting back to Terminus. A cool story. Maybe we can get to that. And I thought it would have been something that avoid all the other things. And when we had that play of the whole deal of the Gotham without a Batman failsafe got empathy, ended up doing that. And if this isn't quite failsafe 100%, failsafe empathy failsafe might come. I don't know. But it should be. maybe the play would have been that instead of sending batman bruce wayne to the gotham without a batman because in my mind that's not doing anything but forcing him to try to be batman there maybe there could have been a play because of how the zornar failsafe is kind of connected that would some and again it would be some crazy would you would you gun or something but 
he would have been able to separate Bruce Wayne from the Zornar Batman. And then this whole play of not just nonsense through the multiverse and things, you actually could have had Bruce Wayne getting the family to try to fight off a Zornar robot Batman like we're going to maybe get to now. That might have been a better play. Uh, originally, but, but at uh, some well, point, Joker Year One. Yeah, that that's the other thing that I keep thinking of, and that's where again is it that we're going to find out Joker's dead, so that oh, a little remembrance. Let's see him in Year One, and even that in the arms of an angel, in the arms of the Joker. I ended up saying at points of a video, I think that Batman's going to kill the Joker. What is the first thing anybody says? Oh, which one? Doesn't matter uh, anymore. I mean, it really doesn't matter because there's like 80 of them now. You have taken any sort of import from the Joker, having him just come back all the time and letting Matthew Rosenberg write him? I mean, please. Which one? I said import. I did. I heard it. I liked it. It's because I ate lamb today. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think I'm getting back to being honest. Brain food. I, I know it's <laughs> Brain food. It is risotto, Eric. Risotto. Uh, what would you give this? 5.5 out of 10. Ooh, you are a bitch. Listen to you. You are. What do you mean? <laughs> the art's great throughout. I like the backup for the most part, but mostly because what I think might happen or what I want happen. But the main story's not good, except for a few little things here and there. I'm a six five, and we don't the even reason know what happened yet. You keep saying he's in a fail safe robot. I'm like he's in a terminus robot. We don't know. You know what's a name? Is a rose something different with another name, Mary? I don't yes. know. Uh, with all of that, I do like the idea just to point out that. There's that big play that the Greeks could not sense the color blue. You ever hear that? I did a little podcast on it because they just never had a word for it. And without a I word, a you can't describe it. it. Pretty cool. But in this, what you say about the Roman reign not just story the Greeks, at the all end, ancient people. Yeah, ancient people. The idea of uh, kind of coming up with ideas and thinking things. I think that that's why I might like the, you know, the, the first part, the front up a little more, because I am kind of intrigued thinking, okay, this could be cool. Maybe it's that. It's not really how I love stories to be, but it still seems like there's something cool to be had from it. I really look forward to reading the next issue because it seems like we're done with the bullshit that came before and we can well, actually get to the actual story. that's why I think it's the play. That's my whole play. And that's where I said it kind of throws off the stank of the Gotham War. But also some of the other stuff before. You kind of you can get rid of that. Let's go forward. I do have a stank. I, sh- I should have taken a shower. I usually do before Just in record. General. That's not nice. Just in general. I like a ribbing, Eric. But seriously, you don't have to get that person. stank. Holy moly, I do. I, I do stank. But yeah, you think this book stank more than I did. Here we go, though. We have a new uh, a 6.5. Okay. Did I say 6.5? That's what I meant. No, no, I think no, I said if I'm wondering. I think I said 6.5. Six, 6.5 six, it is, Eric. That's how yeah. I feel. But we're going to go to the next book. And before you announce what that is, Eric, just remember, Eric doesn't like to have fun. Eric, what is sure the don't. next book? Shazam! Number six, written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora, Alejandro Sanchez, and Troy Petiri. And in this issue, we have Billy still trying to fight against the gods and champions who give him his power, who keep taking over his body because they want to be remembered the way they think they should be remembered by their champion, Captain Marvel. But he's not doing his job well. So now it's up to the rest of the Captain Marvel family or Shazamly, whatever you want to call it at this point, to come and save the day using different relics and objects throughout Billy, well, the Rock of Eternity's trophy case, but they keep calling it Billy's closet, to come in in costumes and armor to save the day against these gods and champions. And it's not bad. It's, it's not the greatest because they, the thing is, the overall story that we've been dealing with, I don't like the way that the gods have been using the powers of like Shazam against him like you know taking control of his body because they're lending their power to him not using their personality and stuff like that 
It's all been a little wonky to me, and it just hasn't hit me the right way. It seems like we're at an end to that now, but we're also getting to a point where we're going to somewhere, something else that I don't like that some writers do in Captain Marvel, where it's a like, you know, the way to save the day is for Solomon to give me extra wisdom so I can overcome the brain control that the other gods been doing to me. I can just overcome that. But the thing is, Billy, if you use all of this wisdom in old King Solomon's mind, you might lose yourself the Billy Batson of the Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel might become his own thing separate from Billy Batson, and you see that in a lot of comics. I just don't care for it because I like the idea of a young Goddamn, I'm about to say I like the idea of a young boy <laughs> in that big man body. But <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, I just like the idea of a child who's put into mm-hmm. a world like this, who there has to go. pretend to be like, you know, almost like the idea of big, but with superpowers. It's fun as hell, and it's Canceled. great, and it's just you're gonna take away the the um the childlike splendor that Shazam can have, as well as the serious aspects that I want for the book. Well, you could have both at the same time without like losing one that's or the other. That's my big play, and that's where I'm going to try to convince you here, is that it seems that Mark Wade he realizes he's been goofing it up. You know, hey, it's a goofball book. It's just for fun. We got dinosaurs from space. We're going to continue having that. But I think that maybe in his mind, the way that he goes with it, if you want to have some real serious stuff, if you want to have some darker stuff, it feels weird to do it with a child in a man's body, as you say. I think that might be the the thing that you will you will be happy with as we go. That you might end up now getting a little it, more serious tone for half of it. It's always a double bladed sword with anything I want. Hell, you get this, but there's also this other thing you don't like. I'm like, come on! You're like, here's a Shazam book, and it's goofy as fuck, and nothing serious. Oh, come but you on. still have Billy with the Shazamly, but you get a and I don't think it will last that long. I think that what he has in mind, just me guessing. Is a darker story that maybe an arc where things are going to get pretty dark with Shazam. So you can't you, having Billy doing it; it wouldn't work as well. And then maybe afterwards he well, figures it out. Sometimes, Jim. maybe he figures it out, and then he gets back to being you know Billy in there. And if you do that, hopefully that will be the point where you get. We love the Shazamly, and I know I hate to say that, but I you have you have said it, and it kind of sticks with me now because it feels like when you say Shazamly. People get that negative feeling from whatever they think of the movies and right. not the comics, but we're talking just straight comics here. And I do want the kids to be back in the fold, not just, you know, in the trinkets and treasures. I want them to have the powers and maybe that and can Vegas, play are, are, are we going to get that? Because even in this, when they come to save the day with the dinosaurs, T-Rex dressed like Spy Smasher and Darla's Bullet Girl. And Pedro's Mr. Adam up armor. And, you know, Eugene has the, the Ibis stick, which I think the Ibis stick is such a cool callback because he pretty much you got a magic wand that can do anything. That's a great little thing there. And he's like, he yells out the new squadron of justice. I feel like that's all they're going to be relegated to is the new squadron of justice. I think so. I think that that's just here for fun. I don't know that they're, t- but if they are, I kind of like that as well. I did actually like this part. It is weird to not have Mary involved, but she's another. And books. even the idea where you, where you have this whole thing, like this, this Mister Bureaucratic T Rex Dinosaur Man who likes to go with Spy Smasher sometimes. Does he become the curator of the Rock of Eternity? Well, he wants to. I know what I'm saying, but, <laughs> but does Freddy then, because he's just hanging in the background? I'm the new Spy Smashers. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Is Freddy ain't. He don't got nothing right now. Still. Well, he's got a crutch. Uh, you end up there <laughs> where it does go, and there's been things that it have been driving you nuts. The idea you even said, like, the powers don't work to just decide that you're, where's the wizard? You kept saying that. And Mark Wade, where's the wizard? 
he actually does reference that, that they were trying to trick Billy and everybody yeah. else, saying they could do this and they can't. I also like, and this is just a, you know, the whole deal of the gods aren't being worshipped, you know, American God. We've seen this so yeah. many different classic times. Classic trope, but good too. I do like the classic trope, but I also like, usually a lot of these times, especially in the water de- you never get anybody coming up with a solution at the end. And they actually say, you don't have the power or the influence anymore because you're, you guys, you just sit around on your ass. Maybe you have to do something. What I thought, though, and I don't know if you would have liked this better, would have been the idea to just really wrap everything around. We find out that this isn't actually Zeus because Zeus had died and maybe he was replaced and maybe there was something going on that this could have even been one of like Black Adam's deal, like set or somebody in there. Which is even so you tie in what's going on in Amazon attack since you have, you know, Georgia Savannah working with all these different gods against Wonder Woman and the other Amazons because right now, because of what Mary Marvel's doing, the Shazamly and the Amazons are pretty tightly connected, it feels like. You know, yes, you have Mary Marvel with all the like Greek gods giving her goddesses giving her power, but you have Zeus and Hercules or Hercules is technically Roman, I know, but Hercules given the power. It gets wonky. Just, just yeah, I know. When you ever have yeah, Hercules and Hercules, it, it gets all weird. But whatever you want to go with. But let's just say this. Let's just say we have uh, Strife is impersonating Zeus here because Zeus is dead and I nobody has that. any idea. But then we also have the idea that we're always talking about, like, well, if Zeus is dead, where's Billy getting his freaking lightning from? Where's he getting the power of Zeus from? I don't know. It's just nobody ever freaking talks to each other at DC Comics. So you do something and there's no ramifications anywhere else because you don't know what to do and now you're freaking. You're freaking like held to what somebody else did, but you don't want to tell that story. And maybe this was a good play for the wizard to show up again. Maybe you can figure some things out because that got all wonky, especially with what was going on in the Wonder Woman book and that sort of thing going in those events. But when you end up having this, I I had fun. I did have fun. I love seeing the family. I love seeing Darla. Darla does this funny way. She's like, didn't bullet, man know of concussions like those little little shout outs actually pretty funny look the thing is that it's fine but when you have you got bullet tears here we go darla okay <laughs> look i understand you got superhero clothing and helmets and stuff like that but you're still taking on gods and champions and somehow this little girl's still coming out on Just top how's let that darla have something She's headbutting them. They don't want her. And like, even at one point. The only point, one in this, in my mind, who's doing any real damage is Eugene because he's got the Ibis stick, and that is the most powerful thing out there in my mind. He turns Zeus into a, a duck. And that could have been the way you play it. And It becomes goofy at that point with cartoony art. I love it. I loved it, too. And again, if we're going to play this idea of what is happening, because it, everything fell off, and you kind of show why, but if say it was Strife, like you said, the idea that at one point Zeus is going or over Aris, the if top, you right? Call it that. Yeah, you could go with whatever. Zeus is like, oh, I'm going to kill these kids. You could have played that up of like, wait a second, time out. That doesn't sound like Zeus is You say that, I'm sitting back here, classic Zeus. <laughs> yeah, well, at one point, he is talking a lot of shit. Now, at one I had in my notes, this is what I said earlier, where the big play at the end of last issue was Freddy said, give me the powers. I'll be your champion. I'll end up showing everybody how great you are. Billy, I'm fooling him. And he's like, come on, let's fight. And they start fighting. <laughs> Zeus just steps up and goes, listen, I know what it's like to see two men play grab ass. This ain't no there fight. You go. And that's where I had it in there. And as you're going, and again, me you turn- being Zeus, I've seen some grab ass in my time, and I do believe this is some grab ass. <laughs> this is some grab ass. If anything that Zeus knows, I don't need Solomon to tell me that this is just grab ass. I, I laugh. 
I also like, again, Mark Wade. I might have married my sister, but I know when people are trying to fool me. I might have done just completely crazy shit throughout. I turned into a swan and some fucks of women, but you know what? I know you kids are fooling me. This whole play where he goes to Solomon then. Classic Zeus. They end up throwing the <laughs> teleportation belt to Freddy. I don't Freddy want anything from Zeus anymore. He's creepy. I don't want him. <laughs> Give me the power of somebody else. Billy goes off to talk to Solomon. The idea of, hey, I can tell you're not down with this. You kind of slinked away in the shadows. I do like just this little thing. doesn't mean anything. But when Solomon actually says, listen, they're gods. I'm not, it, it actually was a nice little play to remind people of how this is all set up. Because most people... You well, say they they're the gods. champions of them and gods. Yeah. And, a lot, and I say it a lot. I misrepresent it a lot, saying, oh, you know all the gods, and they're not all gods. I like that. And Solomon, he can't fight. No, he's using his wisdom to slink away. Yeah, I mean, that was the wisest thing that anybody did. This you want to cut a baby in half, I could do that, but I'm getting back in the corner over exactly. here. Exactly. He's over there. So I like that. And I like that he's kind of hiding. And I do like, because of his wisdom, he knows to tell Bill, like, you might not want to do this. Hey, uh, uh, hey. Hey, Solomon, can I can I get some more of your wisdom? So I can, you don't want this shit, Billy. <laughs> you don't want it. He's like, I think I want it. I think I want that wisdom. But Billy is going to do this to try to save everybody, which he would. And then yeah. I do like it, even he can, without He can the use the magic word again, become Captain Marvel, and be able to control his powers without any of these assholes taking over his body because all that extra wisdom in his noggin. Yeah. And what he uses it for to throw shade at all of them. And said, you're being assholes. You're all being assholes. And... You want people to worship no, you. Speech. And yeah, it is. It's really good. And it, it feels like it it hits. It feels like like they want to like Zeus is never gonna admit that this says like, yeah, we'll think about it. Like going I'm telling you, I, I want Mercury to kind of slink up in the back and start clapping, and then Zeus is giving a dirty look <laughs> and he stops. I do like Mercury was laughing when Zeus Mercury's an <laughs> asshole. I will tell you too. That almost like Batman sixty six way of trying to get Freddy to realize that he was duped. You had Billy shouldn't have said. Mercury's just because, and who is Flash's enemy? Oh, the trickster! The trickster! It was, it was that. No, I'm telling you, I, that was the weirdest part of this whole damn book. Like you, you got bureaucratic T Rexes from outer space doing shit. You got a T Rex who was going to do like Earth invasions, who's bitching about holding a pen. This is still the weirdest part where you tr- come to the idea that Mercury's a trickster. You know, like Flash's villain. It's almost like. Billy's not allowed to say it out loud, so maybe. <laughs> said new magic words. It was so weird. The idea of like, and he's like trying to go. Strikes. He wants Freddy to feel smart or something. It was very odd. Uh, you could have just said. You'll get and there, champ. You could have just said, hey, rem- throw school in because of them beating the kids and all. Like, hey, remember when we learned about Mercury? What did we learn? Oh, he's a snip. Even then. It's the only liquid. <laughs> it's the only metal liquid in room exactly. temperature. Like, no, no, we're not talking about metal, man. Get out of here. Uh, but that was weird. But you end up throughout this when you have Shazam, the captain, tell the you know the gods, listen, you're being jerks. You're being jerks. You want people to worship you. Worshiping in that it, respect you have to earn. You haven't done anything. You've been lazy. It is one of the things. He, he should just sit him down and say, listen, I know you guys love being gods and things like that, but you know, you're Greek. They're, they've been gone for a while. Like Nobody really cares, but you have to make them care. And I just imagine all the – there's going to be a revolt. Hercules and Mercury are Roman. Well, and again, and so is sometimes the fingers of Zeus, Eric. I'd say that when they end up going, and all of them combined, they're going to be working in a soup kitchen next issue, and, and they're all going to be pissed off. They, they're going to want that respect. But you end up afterwards, they say – 
all right, we'll think about it. You know, they go off and they're Shazam. You just kind of want Billy, though, since he was in the whole Revenge of the Gods thing. Say, hey, Zeus, weren't you dead? Yeah. Yeah, really. Like, now that he has the wisdom, he's like, oh, shit, I remember that you were dead. Like, what What gives? What gives there? I became a baby and then I became a man. Kind of like the movie Big. You get me, Billy? I do. I do believe I do. I do, I do. And then you get where you get bureaucratic dinosaur from space. Say, hey, I could be, you know, a guy I hate chaos and now i want to be a lord of order and kind of how about if this guy ends up becoming one of the lords of order would that really drive you nuts oh, he's the next dr fate just imagine a helm of fate to fit his big old t-rex head that would be pretty good that <laughs> come up with some wacky name that joshua williamson could come up with but you end up where he wants to you know i want to sort these things out all these trinkets and treasures but i really can't i didn't get that paperwork filled out with billy and i'm sure they're coming here to cause us some problems, which we see they are. These bureaucratic dinosaurs are on their way. You told me about this ahead of time, the idea that the bureaucratic dinosaur wouldn't hang out at the Rock of Eternity. I threw shit. I'm like, I don't want no damn alien T-Rex in my Rock of Eternity. I think but it's the thing cool. Is, I, the thing is, I got done reading this tonight, and I'm like, there has, besides for the Shazam way, there hasn't been a lot of new stuff added to Captain Marvel in a long time. Like, we got talking Tawny, his ass ain't doing nothing. But it's still fine to have him. I still think it's kind of weird because we had to bring him out for no reason because that series was canceled as soon as we brought him out of the Wildlands. But now it's like, if you want to have an alien t- talking a T-Rex in the Harak of Eternity, he's pretty much your Alfred. I think that could be fun enough and like Captain Marvel enough to work here for me. Yeah. And again, I mean, if he does end up doing it after this, who knows? Because the other dinosaurs are coming. You're not going to see them all the time. Pause. You know, they'll just be like, hey, you know, hey, T-Rex, can I get this? Like, I, I hate and the idea of alien bureaucratic dinosaurs. Anything that he's been doing in this whole thing because he just wants paperwork. That all sucks. But going forward, if he's just hanging out at the rock, just doing Dustin like Alfred would and giving advice here be and fun. there. It does sound fun. Like in a butler's outfit and stuff. I I think he's half in a butler's outfit now. I know he actually almost is. You go to the you go to the spaceship and seriously, that's fancy shit. He probably eats lamb all the time. I also would like at points because you don't get talky tawny a lot, but you get them in those little play. I would like those two becoming really good friends too for some reason. I like it, but but you, but you do the know dinosaurs that I, coming to attack. I know that's going to drive you insane. And no, no. I think it's perfect, the idea that we have these alien dinosaurs coming down because they were the proper paperwork wasn't filled out and they got to go te- look at this asshole planet called Earth. And ca- and Black Adam busts in and he's going to wreck us. Like, this is perfect. Uh, you just Black Adam's, he's going he's to gonna kill, kill them him. all and we're going to move on. And this is the only way for this other T-Rex to go home. He's going to be stuck at the Rock of the Attorney. And then you get the captain versus Black Adam. Oh, this is great because Black Adam, look how angry he is. He is oh, not letting one of these short arm fucks live. He looks good, too. Look at him. Looks great. Ready ready to play grab ass is what he's doing, right? Now you just use abusing. Uh, so in that, though, I did tell you that it drove me nuts reading this. because I was, I was having a lot of fun. I was enjoying it. And this is the first issue that I do think, even if you don't like some of the things like the separation of the captain and Billy, it did feel like Mark Wade's like, okay, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, guys, we had a lot of fun up to this point. I'm going to start doing some things that matter overall, like even a T-Rex dinosaur being a butler in the Rock of Eternity closet slash you know, holding area, or curator. I, I think that he's starting to now show that I'm going to do some important, because separating Shazam, Captain, with Billy, that that's huge. You may not like it, but that's something that is pretty big, and it feels like 
He's ready to do that. When I say that, Billy still says Shazam and turns into Captain, but the Captain has a different personality. He has and a different personality and go back and forth. So you have a separate deal. Uh, but that, to me, again, it feels like he's ready to tell some big stories. He's ready to not just play, hey, we're going to goof around each issue and do this. It might get a bit more serious. And to me, that might make it a bit better. But when you end up at the end, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we get to the end. They're like, hey, there's Earth. And you're playing a lot of... Playing a lot of jokes of these bureaucratic dinosaurs that are coming down the wrecked house on Earth. And then you get the one guy like, hey, you know, what? where are they on Earth? Oh, well, you know, old Scalesy over here, he didn't fill out the proper paperwork. Okay, that's the running joke. But when the stupid T-Rex goes, it's hard to hold a pen. If you are dinosaurs in space, that are, why would you have something like a pen anyway? You would have something that you already had done. It's so lame a joke. And I kind of giggled that it was so lame, but Black Adam's ready to kick ass. So I don't Can't mind wait. with all of that. But what would you give it? Ultimately, I think the art is amazing throughout. There's a lot of things that I like here, but there's also a lot of things that I'm wary about. But we'll see how things go going forward with how things <laughs> I just kind of feel like I'm repeating myself. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see how things work out let's in the future when it. things work out to where they're going to work out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It might work out. There's some things here that I enjoy and not enjoy, but ultimately I had a good time reading this. I want to say more than I have previously because everything has felt like goofy nonsense before with a character that can be fun and goofy because he is a kid, but it's a character that I take very seriously. So maybe it's just I'm biased in my own way. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10, though, because I look forward to what the series has going forward. Yeah, I'm probably we're probably on that same deal, but I don't have as much investment. With the character as you do, you and like you take him fully serious. It's so we're an Ibis stick. I always always pronounce it Ibis stick growing up. I think that people listening think it's funny. It's the idea where you take the captain seriously, you take Shazam seriously, but yet you don't want Shazam to be a more serious. That you need to have the little boy inside the man dig. Like you go back, but that's the whole play. But I think he's getting towards. Treating it seriously while it's also just, having fun. It's just fun. the fun you could have, even in like the 2000s when Captain Marvel was part of the JSA and him and Stargirl started dating. And the thing that, like, the, you had the older JSA members look at Captain Marvel like he was a real sleaze because he keeps eyeing up Courtney. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's maybe not the time or place anymore. But he's he's the same age as Courtney. Well, I, I, I'm telling you. Now that we're you're saying that, these are other things that might be able to play. In the body of Captain Marvel, he wasn't dating. Like, Billy was dating Courtney, but he was Captain Marvel on the team. But the people didn't know he was Billy on the team. So, like, but you didn't like when Doc Ock was going to nail, you know, Mary Jane when he was in that's the body. In of, the body? Of, no, that's, that's completely different. <laughs> I think it's the exact same thing, Eric. I think that you are sus. You are canceled. <laughs> you are canceled 100%. But here we go with the next. Ah, Birds of Prey, number three, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, Jordi Biller, and Clayton Coles. And this is an odd series. This is an odd... uh, Did I say three? It is issue four. I think I might have said three. Uh, It's an odd book. It's one of those things, I want to like it. I really want to like the team. I do like Kelly Thompson at points. Some of her Marvel stuff I really like, but then she kind of veers off, whatever, very inconsistent in my mind. And this has characters I like. Has an idea, kind of pulling in things from the past, but the team itself is is kind of wacky, and the yeah. story is hard to follow. This issue to me is very hard to follow, and things just kind of pop. Even in up. the previous issue, we talked about the idea where we couldn't follow the action from from panel to panel for how they were displayed, like you know through the art and stuff like that, and the progression of action. This one's the same way, but you get the idea then. 
where you have this ragtag group of women that you want to see kick a lot of ass. They've already taken on a bunch of Amazons, but now Wonder Woman has shown up. This is almost like a dream match on the playground. We say, who would win in a fight? Big Barter or Wonder Big Woman? Big Barter or Wonder Woman, that, yeah. And you want to see that match, but all you pretty much get from Wonder Woman is one punch Barter. Like she takes, like Wonder Woman takes a few hits, but Barter is so easy to go down. And it's like, oh, Cassandra Kane is one of the most lethal people in the world. You know, no matter who you are, she can read your body language. She can move faster than you. How is she going to stack up? She's not going to stack up, and it's going to be very disappointing in the fight that you want to see because Wonder Woman's just going to come in and wreck house, which is fine because it is Wonder Woman. You just want to see something. I'm saying it's, I'm not going to say it's dumb, but you just want to see something smarter in the progression of the action in my mind. Here's the the smartness and non-smartness in my mind fully is that the play was, oh, my God, they're going to try to save Sin. The, the Amazons have grabbed Sin, not capture her in, in an essence, but more of the idea that they they think they're protecting her, but actually they're putting her right where she shouldn't be. She's a wayward daughter. And we didn't know who the demon was. Suddenly in this one, it, it's just Megara? like, oh, by the way, it was Megara who we saw before. Never really thought that that was it. I thought that was just a ancient entity know. of the island that made sure exactly. of weapons. And so we were confused there. But when you have the thing, the smart play could have been, well, Wonder Woman shouldn't be involved in this issue or the series because the idea you're going to go on Themyscira, you have an out because Wonder Woman is, you know, tied up a bit, you know, with this whole deal with Tom King stuff or whatnot. But they said at the beginning, hey, why don't we get a hold of Wonder Woman? And the big play was, well, what if she says no? Now, I said it all along. She wouldn't say no, especially if they talked this out and figured it out. But they didn't do it. Because then no. they're going to go and raid. Don't get Wonder Woman involved. You already made it so that Wonder Woman doesn't have to be involved because you're going and have them fight some of and even named Amazons that we do know and love. But have them fight so it's a little more equal ground because when Wonder Woman shows up, you want that. Oh, my God. Bar- and it's so lame. It, it ends up where it's almost as Kelly Thompson has her characters, but is really caretaking more of Wonder Woman than her seems. team. And it doesn't make sense to me why you even do it, because at the end, at one point, they even mention, oh, man, why didn't they just get a hold of you, Wonder Woman? We would have just, you know, gotten together and talked. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, well. they're being them. And it almost makes these first four issues just null and void. Even when you suddenly spring on us, it seems, because me and you might be dummies. But seriously, Megara is the big bad that they know. And the only reason it ties in is because at the one point, Wonder Woman lassos up Big Barda. Big Barda says, I'm really true. You don't have to do this. I'll tell you whatever. Then doesn't want to tell her because of that, but then spills the beans of Megara. I ain't going to kneel to your power. Yeah, and then everything. And um, like I said, some of the, the art, but I think the story as well has progression problems because it's just fight, fight, fight. Barda gets knocked down, like like you said, one punch. She, you end up where it looks like at one point Wonder Woman's back's broken. I want these two powerhouses of women in DC Universe to have a slugfest to try to figure out who is. Because like Barda has already talked about the idea that Wonder Woman is like you know more powerful than her. She wouldn't want to go up against her. We had this whole conversation in the previous issue. I say conversation. It was like a one dialogue boom, probably, but I want to see them go toe to toe and actually see like you know t- test your might. Yeah, and you know what you could have had? And this is, again... Same with Batgirl. We, we always do this, and uh, Gabe doesn't like it, but I hope every The idea to me is the Barda Wonder Woman thing. This is something that people would have talked about. People would... So have it where you have the whole issue going on, 
You can just because Wonder Woman fighting only ends up finding out the information from Barda anyway. You have it on the bottom. Each bottom has a running deal of just Wonder Woman and Barda just beating the shit out of each other the whole issue to then get to the lasso deal. But make it last because I tell you, the other character showing up, if if Barda can't knock out Wonder Woman, you know, Batgirl isn't going to do it. I I hate to say it, but she's not. So you end up, it gets goofy. I would have liked that long deal. But even then. Wonder Woman knocks out Barda, says to the other Amazons, hey, tie her up and put a dampener on her real quick or you're going to have some problems, which they don't do. And then Barda's right back in the fight again. I'm like, what just happened? Because that's where the smoke grenade. And then you have Zealot going around with this wonky, I can't kill people. To I'm not going to die. And every blow I land is not going to kill somebody. But yet everybody that she's going through, they're like knocked out or bleeding out. She's wiping her sword. Like that didn't play out well. Then you have a lot of dialogue that just gets really wonky in the deal. Like you end up having Sin and Black Canary fighting a bunch of Amazons and you just have this dialogue. Nothing feels like it's connecting to the scene or what's going on, because really at the end, they're just fighting through this whole thing to then find out, oh, this Megara it's going to end up possessing Sin, but we can't get off the island because it has our, you know, cosmic rod. The, the cosmic rod, which again. That's nothing to do with anybody but Megara, so it's not like that could have been solved, but they're going to go try to get that. And then they're in prison. I mean, I'm telling you, this this issue well, is even the idea when the they place. get captured, even when the idea they get captured after the fighting's done and, and Wonder Woman has gotten the information from Barda using the, the Lasso of Truth, nobody seems to think, hey, I saw a Batgirl here. Did anybody figure out where Batgirl was? Who Batgirl, this comes in and this, you know, springs everybody because nobody thought, like, hey, we better go search for Batgirl or we better have somebody on guards because Batgirl's still out and about and might try to get everybody out of prison right here. Here's here's my progression deal and just to explain to people what I mean. You have a full page spread. I And again, the art by itself at parts, I, I like the style. I think it looks yeah. really cool. A lot of times it does what I hate in fights is get too close. It did with Zealot, and you're not really seeing at one point I thought she was stabbing Wonder Woman a million times. Yeah, so you get this where an Amazon, as they're all fighting, does realize, okay, if I grab Sin, you know, uh, we can stop this. Grab Sin and puts a knife or sword up to her throat, basically says, you better stop this. Get out of here. I'm going to kill her if you don't. And then Meridian out of nowhere shows up the maps of the future, to punch out this Amazon and then say, oh, crap, my powers here are fritzy, disappears to them to go, oh, man, that was awesome. Then you go to Barda and Wonder Woman round two, and then everybody's in prison. That's the progression. Like, it looked like our team is actually taking care of some of the ass kicking in that full page spread to where Meridian punches. But then they're just in prison. They've been kept. I don't know when they got captured in them, Bartas. Like, it all just happens. They're there. And then, like you said, even to make it worse, nobody's counting heads. You know, maybe they did a play where it was like Home Alone, and they're counting the heads, and the one head was an Amazon. They didn't realize, and they thought it was Batgirl. I don't know. But Batgirl's not there. She ends up being able to spring them later. Things just happen to happen while Diana does go and say, this is weird, but I ended up lassoing up Barta. And I know she's not lying. They came and she says they think they're doing the right thing. But they mentioned that. Majera. Suddenly it becomes this prophecy. Oh, my God. You know, Majera, Majera. 
And now it's a big thing with Penelope. And now we're going, I don't know when this stuff was set up. Well, the rest of the Amazons then see Megara coming out of Penelope. It's like, Sin, quick, take my lasso of truth and go back to Black Canary, who's already been broken out at this point in time. All of this one section of the island seems to explode. And when our birds of prey finally get back there, they see that Wonder Woman has now been taken over by Megara and all the smoke and tentacles and things are just coming out of Wonder Woman. Now, the whole play here. I don't know why Wonder Woman would give Sin her lasso of truth to go back to Black Canary. I don't know what that does. Or is it a play like, I knew I was going to be taken over by Megara, so I needed you to lasso me. Well, that's the thing. I'm saying Wonder Woman, though, but like the idea, I, I knew I was going to be taken over by this Megara that I knew nothing about. And I needed you to hit me with my lasso of truth to show me my true me to force Megara out later on. That's not in this issue, but I figured that's where we're going to go. Well, the weird play, though, is, and it makes no sense, that there's Megara. Megara seems to want to take over the world, take over Themyscira, whatever the deal may be. And it needs a true host in Sin. Has Wonder Woman and then ends up tossing Wonder Woman away. What the fuck? What are you talking about? That's the best. This this would have been the vessel that you would have tried to be doing all along. but so. And you would think the idea, well, you know, that might be a little too much right away. Let me get this in. Let me do that. And then we're, that would be the pinnacle, I think, of who this, but no, just says, okay. I, and even that, they're like, Megara, we demand you unhand her this instant. Oh, do you? Why would I do that? Well, she's not what this is all about. Is she? No. No, I suppose she's not. Very well, then out she goes. And Use the lasso of truth. Throws her into the ocean. What does the lasso of truth do for sin, though? I mean, it's going to end up because of how I think, like you said, it looked like it would free Wonder Woman. I think that Wonder Woman oh, is now out of the picture, and now she needs I say that, I, I wanted that to be the thing where it becomes, because the idea of Wonder Woman being not, like, not the true host because the prophecy is that sin needs to be the true host, but I wanted this power to be something that draws bigger in, that we force her out. I guess maybe the idea is that Wonder Woman would just know, like, Hey, take this because when that Megara gets your ass, you got to know your true self because you're holding this lasso, and she's not going to be able to enter you. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that this is just something so forced that when we do get down to it, it will be like that, but it won't feel natural. It won't feel organic. It'll just be like a lot of these things. Suddenly, like I said, Megara. Oh no, Penelope. Oh no, Penelope. Oh no, Wonder Woman. Oh no, and they end up pretty much. I winning. just realized too because. The birds of prey make their way to the gigantic explosion, which is Megara taking over Wonder Woman and stuff like that, but it doesn't seem like Sin made her way back yet, so she's not anywhere to be around. <laughs> For some reason, in my mind, she was there with them. Like, okay, let's regroup and go back down there, but no, Sin's, Sin, Sin's MIA right now. And again, this ends up with this big, demonic, ancient entity being told, listen, let go of Wonder Woman. It's not about that. And it says, I suppose not. And throws her like you birds fuck this like, thing I've, up i've never seen anything quite like this idea that they just say oh you don't want to do that and the big bad ancient deal says oh i guess you're right and throws her into the drink and then yeah when it comes in and again Honestly, this- at this point in time i'm, I'm with the girl like maybe i don't need this because i can just take out one woman this easy you guys ain't shit but that's just what, thing. You what i want it wants a vessel you, you said this one? I, I think that what's gonna happen is that sin is what happens all the time? It, this, it's going to be revealed, though we don't know anything about Megara or whatever. I'm sure we're even pronouncing it different each time. You end up where the lasso is going to show the truth of this being an Amazon that ended up having some problems in the past. Nobody like wanted Medusa? to listen. Woe is me. Exactly. It's going to be the idea What's that. What's Medusa up to now? 
probably sitting there like, what the fuck? This place is always having problems. Like, like I used to like turning people to stone. Now I'm sitting here in this book. I think that what we're going to now say is that a Magera is just a friend that we haven't met yet. I believe that that's going to happen. Watch. With, Look at that scary monster. It ends up in anything. I mean, really, they're going to end up hugging it out. I, I almost can guarantee it now. I, I'm that's my that big play. It's got a lot of arms or tentacles. There's that hair. I don't. I'm not even letting that thing prepare my food. I don't want it anywhere near me. Yeah, I'm gonna just out here and turn that thing to stone. That's what you should do. That'd be pretty cool. Big statue. Who knows what she does? She's just. That's the thing again. We cured her. Isn't it the idea where you could play an idea with Medusa? Where oh, that was such a great thing that they did. That she's pissed. Like she's like, what do I do now? I I I don't. I'm nothing. I'm just nothing now. I want to go back and maybe get pissed off. Exactly. We could have those two together. They'd probably be a cool team up, right? What you call that? Hex and violence? Some shit like that, what, right? I want to call it Hex and Violence. The Stone Roses. That'd be pretty good. It's a cool band, too, right? Stone Roses. <laughs> Is it a cool <laughs> band? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you ever hear no, them? They're okay. No. Yeah, you're not a learned fella, uh, especially in the music. I didn't hear of a band. It, 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 I'm sorry to tell you right now, the Stone Roses, they, they don't wear clown makeup and jump around with fucking Fago, so you wouldn't like oh, them. Oh, you're but... referencing a band I listened to t- over 20 years ago. That's clever. Yeah. You know what? The, the play with new music, it's hard because you, you tend to go back to what you listen to when everything's like you're on demand. A lot of times with the radio, you're kind of forced into listening to some new things that you can discover. I listen to classic rock stations. I'm sorry it's not K-pop. <laughs> exactly. I'm on the cutting edge. You sure are. Have uh, Blackpink signed. They re-signed their contract, so they are not breaking up. How about that, Eric? Oh, my God. You're blowing everybody's minds. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It blew mine. I sent it to Stork. He was happy. Uh, but what would you give this? <laughs> he's 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 kind is what he is. Okay. That's what I say. If you don't like that Rose and the gang are gonna stay. I don't together, even know who the... they are. I don't know who they are. <sighs> you want me to I'll I'll tell you later. Me and you'll get together for a little. Like they're not my favorite band right now though, Eric. Uh New Jeans is my favorite band, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh what would you uh what would you give this? Ultimately I think I'd give this a six out of ten. You're doing some fun actiony stuff that's even more fun in my mind than what Batman was doing in his book with a lot of cool characters, but ultimately it's just not a book that has caught my interest yet. Like I wanna be here, but just the Magara stuff, it just it felt too out of nowhere to begin with, and we're just on to something we don't fully understand. Now we fully understand it. I'm just wondering why we did any of this because even the idea, why need this ask Wonder Woman? I don't know, just didn't. She should ask. It just—it feels like a weird book, and I like the art at places, but it just doesn't, you know, tell the story properly during an action scene. And sadly, in the last two issues, got a lot of action scenes. Yeah, I'm a five. I, I, I want to like it. I think that maybe we'll get to a point. One of the things that I'll point out to people, I was told at you're one right, point, five point five out of ten. Yeah, Fuck it, you're right. Let's good. Fuck it. I mean, no. even the things you were saying, though, the idea that the basis of the story ended up kind of not mattering or going against what you probably should have done in these characters would have throws me off. But then you get this big bad suddenly becomes the big bad. We didn't know that. And has Wonder Woman and tosses Wonder Woman. like there's And out of nowhere, Wonder Woman gives the lasso to sin for no reason. All these things. And it's just like, why? Why? And because there have been two issues of fights, we're not getting a lot of real character work. It feels more, again, like caricature stuff. You're just dealing with surface level things. But even not that, like when I got done this issue thinking about the individual characters, like, yeah, I thought, well, Barda was fighting Wonder Woman, but not anything 
big in like the character work or with Zealot or even Harley. I know a lot of people don't even want Harley on the thing. She has like two lines. You're not really dealing with stuff. But I was going to say a lot of people, Birds of Prey, they said to me, without Barbara, maybe even saying without Oracle, it's not a Birds of Prey book. I'll never read it. Well, she's supposedly coming on. It is weird. I, I said to the one guy, well, what are you saying? Like, you don't like the Van Hagar? Right, Eric? Like, it still goes on. I you have do. to deal, right? I like both, but I like Van Halen with uh, David Lee Roth a little more, but still. Uh, but they did announce that Barbara is going to be in the book. I think it was like issue seven or eight, somewhere along there. And the idea that Harley might be leaving. I like a rotating cast anyway, and I hope that that's what we get. But if that is the play, say Zealot leaves the book, even, or I don't know that that's the case, but. We're not getting much of these characters. We're just kind of throwing them into the situation. Well, I don't that know shit really about Zella. Yeah, and that's right where you would worms want in to. a wrist where she can't kill people and she's immortal. I, I don't know what that means to me for the character Zella, but we're doing it. That worm thing seemed like it was supposed to be clever. It hasn't really worked out that way. It actually kind of more confusing and really didn't do much. So all in all, though, yeah, I think it's a bit of a disappointment. I really want to like it. I like the Birds of Prey. I want to have them continue but i don't know this are, are you longing for me. the days of condor you need condor back condor was pretty sus remember condor was always trying to get dino like don't yeah, worry about lady. don't worry about your dead husband look at me i'm condor wait <laughs> i didn't like condor i did not like <laughs> nobody, condor nobody like condor that uh i think it was christy marx's uh ron That's and the right. new 52 it was bad Again, we talk about, I didn't even talk about that at one point, but I talk about that, say, a Stormwatch. That was another one of the books that old Jimmy Boy was going to crack the code for everyone. Where's that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at? Or Agents of Shade, I mean. Yeah, somehow I was going to be the one to explain why it was so great. And then I'm like, what did I get? I'm like, Job, I made an awful mistake. <laughs> I, ended up, and I, I ended up looking because I thought I bailed. I, I, From the moment I started doing those, I played it out till the end and it was bad. That bird's a prey. Got some twos and things like that but this one's a little better but i need some more like you said a lot of times now yeah there were but when they hit eric they hit hard maybe i agree yeah i liked it i like the variety and that's kind of like why i like this book we're not going to get a book with barda or zealot really that me and you are going to deal with and that's the thing too like i said where people are and again this week they're arguing a lot about comics what the thing is and that how this ruined this and that to me, it's just that a lot of books that I'm reading now at DC and Marvel, both, I keep saying it on these reviews. It hasn't hooked me yet. It hasn't drawn me into the story. It doesn't make me need to read it. And that's just simple storytelling to me. Simple storytelling and characterization, I think, are missing in a lot of these books. I don't know why. If it's a lack pancake of strong editorial, if it's pancake breakfast, if it's one. People, again, I, I don't. It, that, it's not. It shouldn't be a fight. Everybody should get together and start talking about what is wrong and not make it so, you know, black and white and the idea of it. And if when's you, the if, Justice League going to have Thanksgiving with the JSA again? I yeah. miss that. Speaking of that, one of the things that I've been saying, you said it too, but Brett Booth even came out this week and said, I think we're getting to the point where maybe we need a new DC versus Marvel big event. And we talk awesome. about that all the time. Yeah, we talk about it. And Brett Booth came out and Brett Booth went the deal like we said. Have that happen, that means a reboot for both companies at that point of what happens, and the creators that are involved with characters in that big event go off and tell those stories. Don't just get some wackadoos to tell it in a bail. 
And that could get the hype back, and I think it's true. And again, the mixer, Andrew from Belfast, sent me that tweet. I'm like, damn it, I, I want that. Me and you talked about it like two weeks I, ago. I just like to sit that. down and think to myself, like, the, and the thing is, I don't know enough about Marvel anymore. I know more way back then when Marvel versus DC first happened, but I just want to think to myself, the current roster of what each company looks like to try to pit who against who to see where you la- like land on. Yeah, it, it would be weird, like, at one point, because I, back in the day you had Superboy versus Ben Riley Spider Man. You know that's why I, I say that, but it was like an, that's where you amalgamed with Spider Boy and stuff like that. I want to know like where, do, where who would fight Miles Morales Spider Man? Miles Morales Spider Man, like I, Damien would be pretty cool to fight, or maybe I maybe. don't know. Yeah, that, we'd have to sit there. Maybe that would be some funny thing. I think in in uh, January there is a Patreon only. A week, a show, and maybe instead of like a pull list deal, we'll, we'll give some of our ideas. I'll forget by then, but if, if somebody me reminds too. me, maybe we'll do that because I always like hearing your deal. I'm always lame, but you have some weird plays if you're going for like current versus deal, Captain Marvel, like the idea of Daredevil versus whoever. Who would you have? Maybe Nightwing? Actually, yeah, Nightwing sounds great, actually. If you have Daredevil, but right now, Matt Murdock is kind of a priest, you know, Father Matt, who doesn't remember things that you get some wacky things going Stop on in both companies. So right now. We have to see how it went, but I would like that matchup. You always have Cap versus Batman. Batman? That, that's like yeah. one of the big ones. And then they always decide it's not worth fighting. Like they're, they're is the Cap smartest still Cap ones. in Marvel right now? Well, he's Cap, but then you also have the other deal because you have. Falcon being capped as well. So you have two. They could double team Batman. Falcon versus Red Hood. That'd be cool, actually, if you did have Red Hood and Batman, like they finally shake and, and then you have Falcon. I keep saying people get mad. Oh, no, I, I have, say that. You know, Winter, Winter Soldier versus Red Hood. Well, that's the thing. Bucky, I always, I always for the longest, I think Bucky and Nightwing work out, but it really is Red Hood. Bucky and Red yeah. Hood would be awesome. But now, yeah, I always wanted to have it Bucky. But because of the idea of being sidekicks at first and whatever, but it really does. Sidekicks who went bad. Oh, it fits Red Hood perfectly. See, that would be awesome. See, now I want it again. I always want it. It's so great. I did say last week I started when I said, I want to start a new podcast on the Patreon, but I have to do this, that, and the other thing first or whatnot. It is that crossover deal. That was the podcast. And the thing is, I just imagine like the new podcast is we say, this character, this character, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's do the next one. I was going to do <laughs> a full-out podcast on all the books that came out already, a reading club of the DC versus Marvel, but even just crossovers, like the first yeah, one yeah. with Superman and, and Spider-Man. That thing's like 110 pages. That's a lot of reading for old Jimmy Boy, but we'll see. We'll see when that happens, Eric. But that's the deal. Yeah, so you went down to a 5.5. I'm a 5, just a regular 5. I want this to get better because I think it could be really cool. It's just not cool yet. It's not cool to the kids down at the ice skating rink. Uh, they told me that, Eric, while we were waiting for the Zamboni to go, we were eating some snacks and, and talking now, about Now, Silver Surfer was able to take out Kyle Rayner in the first like Marvel vs. DC. You think that Hal Jordan would go up against Silver Surfer now? And do you think Hal Jordan would be able to overcome? I don't think it would be Silver Surfer versus Jon Stewart in his God Mode deal. That would be oh, fucking fuck right. awesome, Oh, my God. Right? It's amazing. See? There you go, Eric. We're doing it. <laughs> I I actually am glad because usually when we do this back in the it's been a while since we do it. I was a big dummy. I would say like, oh, so good this, and you would you would berate me, you dumb son of a bitch. You're like, well, they did that. Now I'm on it, Eric. That because that was like <laughs> ten years. Ago. Now I'm on it. But that's that. See how exciting it is. But we're gonna go off it right now to 
to some mail. And it is the mail. Eric, we are here for what I like to call the mail. And I'm if you want to be part yet. of this mail, well, if you're not, but, oh, actually, yeah, you were wanted to say something real quick. Said, what were you going to say? I'm, I'm just going back to Marvel versus DC. Like, I didn't want you to end the recording at that point because I just had a stupid idea that doesn't need to be brought up at all. It's just, I want to see Black <laughs> Adam like versus it. Namor where they just do the Spider-Man pointing at each other because they have the exact same widow's peak. And then you just have Spider-Man. Now, who could Spider-Man come in with and say, oh, look at those assholes? But it's just be Spider-Man or <laughs> something. They, Spider-Man. they just walk in and like, look at them assholes. I think for the most part, they've gotten rid of Black Adam's pointy ears, but like that would be a funny bit. It would be pretty funny. And then they're fighting, and you have a bunch of people jump, but they don't know which way to jump in because they're there. And then they're like, we kind of don't look alike, but they do. I, I just want to go back to Aquaman kicking Namor's ass because that was a great fight in that series. Yeah, some of the things you did really like. Yeah, at one point you were going and talking to me about all the things, but also all the bullshit things, too, about how crazy it was. I don't know. For some reason, I want Superman to win, but I feel like the Hulk would still be able to overcome at some point. Just like, you know, because like, he was beat, like Superman was beaten by Doomsday, and I feel like the Hulk could take Doomsday. Would you think that if the if it was like Hulk in the DCU, could you say that the radiation that made him was Kryptonian and it was kryptonite radiation that made don't, him a, a green don't, monster? Don't do it. Don't do See, it. See, that's why they, no. they better not the call kryptonite me. kryptonite green door. Yeah. It's the green door, Eric. Stop See, you're it. doing it. You remember some things from Al Ewing. Oh, my goodness. Great. I remember why oh, I stopped reading it, too. Hopefully. Well, that's the thing. The Hulk at night. Superman. No sun. Oh my goodness gracious! Nighttime's his time. Nighttime's his time. I remember how my that drove you nuts. One of the most lauded comics of the last ten years, and it drove you insane. And then you quit. That's the best. Like there were a couple reasons why. I'd like to think that that was one of them. But actually, you ended up because you were on. If people didn't know, you were on the Marvel show. Doctor Strange and Black Panther did it too. I think you also just ended up like. I just don't like these things. And you I pay. don't. That's what it was. You And you, I will tell everybody, one of the things when people say to us a lot with the DC stuff and everything, oh, if you don't like it so much, then just stop doing it. We okay. never do that with the DC stuff, though, because, you know, it's our well, stuff. I love DC but when, when you're doing a side thing, and it really was kind of a side thing at that point, you just weren't enjoying it. So you said, screw it. I liked it. You wanted to remember the good times. Right? Oh, that's the thing. Is even the characters that I thought I knew and I enjoyed, like, they're, they're completely different at this point in time. And I did not like them. And then they're thinking about by the time we got done that whole thing, I'm like, yeah, maybe I just like Spider-Man and the X-Men and some Fantastic Four. <laughs> maybe that's it. You never even – you didn't even last for the Hawks and Pox, Eric. That, no, that might have, You might have liked it. It might have drove you nuts. What? You told me all about it. It sounded awful. And I tried. Uh the idea where people will center on DC is, oh, they always reboot. They always reboot as if, you know, oh, they're changing the characters a lot. Yet you just said, having been a lapsed reader and coming back, and we did our due diligence. We caught up on things and whatnot. Characters won't, weren't really the ones that you loved. They didn't feel like the characters that you grew up with, Eric. But maybe it's nope. because they matured they and you did. Me. Right? They did. <laughs> maybe. So here we go. We have the mail. We have two mails here. And if you want to be part of the mail. Then what you'd mail in is you'd mail in. I'm just trying to get that. I told I was told keywords there. Okay. Or even, I couldn't remember what I was saying. Wordplay. We're gonna email uh, in at 
WeirdScienceDCComics at gmail.com. Oh, I forgot the address. Yeah. When Eric was gone, I did throw out the wink wink of, just get a hold of me anyway. Eric's not here, but Eric's back. It's back to the email. Nobody got a hold of me either way, Eric. Of course so they wouldn't. Here's the first one. It's Joe. Joe says, hey, Jim and Eric. I've up, heard Joe? you guys say several times that although your ratings sometimes seem low, it's because you consider a comic rated at a 10 to be a perfect comic. I, I do think that, or it gives you, you know, a, a tremendous feels. Now, with that, that's not quite why we end up being low. I, I think that we're low because we're not shills and, and just give scores to kiss ass. That's the main thing. But it is true. A 10 is something special, right, Eric? Just like Loaded. Dudley Moore said. I've been writing a paper on the evolution of comic books, and throughout my research, I've read a lot of comics from a lot of different eras. Some of them I liked a lot more than the books I pick up each week, and some I'm glad were published. Yeah, and he says, and so, I'm glad we're published before I was a weekly reader. I've seen a lot of different writing styles and art styles and read award-winning comics and issues that have largely been forgotten. I've liked some stories. He seems like he's bragging like you. Comics the rest of his life. Both of you are winking at each other, shaking your heads yes. And I'm just joking, Joe. I don't want Joe to get mad at me. But he says that I've seen a lot of different writing styles and art styles and read award-winning comics. As I said, I've liked some stories much more than others. And it made me wonder, what issues would you guys consider to be a 10? What do you think earns them a perfect rating? Well, I'll tell you right now, my man Eric Shea is going to say none. Because if he does, he's done, right? It's a weird thing because we've made up this weird rule where, like, I'll never give a 10 because I'll quit. And I kind of stick with it. I've given 10s. I haven't just because, like, I'm always waiting for that thing that, like, if I maybe I just can't strive. Like, they can't give me the perfection that I strive for just because, like, what do I do with that after I'm all said and done? I just, I made it this mythical thing that I'll never reach just so I can keep it there and never have to really deal with the idea because then I'll have to compare everything to it in my mind and I'll drive myself crazy because it doesn't deserve that. I don't know. It's a weird thing for me to say a 10. This thing should be a 10, you know? Like, even as a kid, I hated The Dark Knight uh, Returns because I didn't, I was a kid and I didn't fully you understand what the hell they're going with. But, at, you know, growing up with it, it became such a really impactful, like, powerful book for me. And I loved it so much. All, all the sequels suck, suck hard. And I don't want to read them. But that original Dark Knight Returns, mwah, and even Watchmen, Watchmen is good. It has its problems, obviously, but it's one of those award winning books. It just, I just don't think I know what a 10 is, honestly. I ain't seen one, but I've had a lot of books that I've really liked. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell Joe, and I, I think maybe, I don't know that this will explain it to you to get the deal, but me and you have talked about where people, some podcasts, some, you know, websites, they'll go with the idea of, hey, five points for art and five points yeah. for writing. Some will even go as far as, I remember the one site, I forget which one it was, but they actually gave points to the letter. And, and you that's where you start to get like you get tied up in shit that then becomes like math formulas. You're not yeah. really giving you're not really giving the issue its thing. And to me, it's the gut reaction when I get done. And I mean, people here and I, I, would, gut say? I would like to think that people along the way that we have pretty good scores for a lot of things. But it also explains why you might think something's an eight. And I think the same thing's a four. It's our own gut reaction. So when I think of a 10, I also think of the gut reaction. And that means like something that really hits me emotionally. I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm thinking about as I'm saying this is the rebirth special number one with Jeff Johns. When I read that, that, I got choked up or even like a Batman Incorporated where Damien ended up dying. 
These oh are God, things so that when I'm done... Or, or the silent issue of Batman and Robin. The silent issue of Batman and Robin. These are things that technically you might say, well, that art there was a little off. Or that was a little... It's that gut Even that feeling. Even that first Firestorm issue of Doomsday Clock, I thought was mwah, magnifique. Yeah, again. So it also then to get even more because that's just me liking an issue. I you're gonna that can happen where if I like a character, I love. Hell, Damien. I can say some issues of Identity Crisis really piss people off. I know. Well, I, I I keep bringing that up, but still, you have that. But you said it already too. Top that up with again the Rebirth special or something like the Anatomy Lesson. Mm-hmm. Or like you said about the Dark Knight Returns, when it ends up where it means something that big to the character or the company, you know what I mean? It changes things in a way that, oh, my God, everything is trying killing to catch up with that. Yeah, it, <laughs> killing joke, I, I wouldn't I don't know that I'd give it a full 10. No, but I'm sorry, but people put that up on a pedestal where it's, it was like the the most graphic novel for how many years that it's kept in rotation because everybody kept buying the killing joke and talk about it. People hate it now, but at the point. I just think it was overrated because yeah, I think still it's back to people off. liking it. But okay. again, too, if you're asking me if you would say like, "What's a 10? and then after that, say, "What's your favorite issue?" Those would probably be different as well because it's more of a personal deal. But if you look at it as like a well, a, like a scholar, Eric, you would oh. say something like a like anatomy lesson. I think is really well, close to being perfect. That it's really good. The art matches the story. The art matches the drapes and the carpet, Eric, hey, as they I'm say. I'm saying some random-ass issue of Superman when Robin showed up and they were fighting vampires. That's up there for me. That is up there for you because it's your personal <laughs> feeling. Why I like our the rating. issue what, of a two-parter. Why I love the gut rating and, and also with the tens and things like that is it does give you that. It gives you that wiggle room of these are just our opinions. Like it, it, when people start going with the. Well, I give a half a point for the letter and things like that. It then becomes, like I said, it's like scholarly. It, it becomes like a formula and it loses the, you know, the, the, the humanity. It does. It loses the love and the humanity of it. So I, I do. But again, I could go through issues of like a crazy Superman adventures that might feature Bizarro, Eric. That's close <laughs> to a deal. And also, again, flowers for Bizarro. If I end up saying that, oh, my God, because I gave a bunch of it. I've given tens. But I don't know that if I went back and reread them now that they would be tens anymore because I've changed a bit. Maybe not as much as I should have. But And also, like, times and things like that. I think it really is one of those that these greats, like a killing joke, you said. Maybe you have to revisit to see if they are still, because I don't think anything remains that permanent deal. There are a few. Well, even the idea where I, when I was growing up, I was a teenager into my like, you know, early 20s when the preacher graphic novels were coming out. So I didn't catch them when they're individual issues. I was grabbing those graphic novels every chance I could. Whenever I had money, I try to go and find one. I loved preacher so much because it was like I was an edgy teenager, an edgy early 20 year old type of thing that these were the hard-hitting, edgy comics that I wanted to read at the time. This is talking, like telling the real stuff right here. And I'm actually afraid to go back because I'm not that person anymore, and I think it might be a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I end up where I also have a play that in that, just as an aside, when me and you end up where we would do the New 52 review or things like that, I even go as far as my score for a collected, if I review like six issues, my end score for the trade might not equal out the, you know, add these up and, and divide because of the way that the whole thing feels. And that kind of is goes with how I said, like something like you're reading. Some things read better in trade. 
Well, they do. And some things, though, afterwards, like a Dark Knight, like you realize, oh, my God, like this actually is better than I would have ever imagined. You were little. But we have some things that we do each and every week now. That she I had swastikas on her boobies. Yeah, she did. I say like at points you said it too, but I've said I think I said it this week on the Marvel podcast. The idea of retroactively, if you come back, this might be bigger. We were talking like of if something like an Outsiders was big, mm-hmm. but is it really? And also, you know, that wall arises this week. Will this end up being bigger down the line? There's some weird things. Like I said, I don't like to be caught up in the idea of. Well, that lettering, this and that, something. The letter is like an umpire in, in baseball. If you recognize it, it, it's they've done something wrong. When I recognize it, it's like, I can't read this shit. Like the Batman who laughs, the, the fucking nonsense like that. But overall, I'm just saying gut feeling. There you <laughs> so go. It comes back to it does. And I don't know. I like to think about what I think. It's like, in my mind, I don't know that any individual issues of the Watchmen are tens. But as a whole, I think it's a ten. Iron Man versus Steel. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, he says, I was also curious if you've ever seen the TV show Young Justice. Now you're talking Young Justice. Eric Shea. Isn't it funny that you say, of course, and I have not? It, that's not a shock. It is people, weird. Though. You should watch it. It's great. Yeah, I should do a lot of things, Eric. I should pay more yeah. attention to my kids. But hey, who has the time? I watched the show when I was younger, and I've been rewatching it recently, even though the characters aren't exactly the same as the comic book I still feel like it's a new show. I don't like you saying you watched it when you were younger, because in my mind, it still just came out in my mind. But doesn't this tie in? Like, he's going back to see if it's still, <laughs> so it's kind of cool. I enjoyed it more than most DC TV shows, and was interested in your thoughts. You always oh, I love to watch it. Yeah, a lot it's of a people top You and John Wayne, go off and do your own thing. You and John what Wayne. What does that mean? You? Enjoy things? Two buddies. Why don't you go and have fun with them? Because I can't talk to you about it. Look at you. He's talking to you about these new jeans. I'm not having fun with that. I know. Well, again, you should get some new jeans. Triple XL. See, there you go, Ben. <laughs> That's not how you All buy that. jeans, dummy. <laughs> it isn't. Isn't that how you do it? You know if you wore adult pants. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Size 68. <laughs> again, you're missing a, a dimension there. Mm, 68 you would probably be i think your length would be 42 huge Is 42. It 42 no no we always talk about how our legs are almost the same size with the whole thing oh, so i'm that's 34 true that is that is true that is the crazy i again because we talked about that you are six five i am what i like to call a generous five eight uh when we ended up i would get it i couldn't find jeans that would because it didn't make couldn't sense get new jeans I couldn't get new jeans. That's why. Maybe that's why I ended up wearing shorts. I just couldn't get. At one point, I remember it was like twenty-seven thirty-four. That's not any. Nobody computes with that, Eric. And then that twenty-seven did, you know, yeah, get a little bigger than one. <laughs> twenty-seven started getting more and more. But still, you, you say all these things. You were so happy when you put that picture up as he was Aquaman, and everybody's like, "Oh man, look at that sexy guy." I'm like. You son of a bitch. See, was I happy or you I'm upset? like, really? Well, both. And I'm like, okay, let me, I, I actually, the funny thing is when they, I was desperately looking for some old pictures of me that I could spruce up, but I couldn't find any, Eric. I couldn't find any, I couldn't find any old ones. I was trying to trick people. Ah, but he says, love the podcast, Joseph Calangelo. And thank you, thank you Joe. Joe. Thank you for mailing in. I, and I we was answered just, your questions and we didn't joking. go off on too much of a tangent. Well, we did. But that's usually I'll, I'll give I'll give Joe and, and Joe seems like might be a bit of a newer listener, uh, but 
I think that Joe should realize that when we go off on tangents, that means that we're kind of interested in the deal. That's what always sparks that. Next up is Craig with a crazy question. Craig says, Dear Jim. No tangents. Dear Jim. <laughs> that is one of Eric's favorite characters is Firestorm, which sure is the is. story of a young boy who merges with a middle-aged match. But which young boy or grown man would adult. you and Eric like to merge with? So he's asking both of us. I actually thought that it would be funny for me to say who I'd want you to merge with. As a, I, I'm just going to go the young boy that I would like to merge to, with me. That's not the young boy. It's Emmanuel Lewis Webster. He says, which young boy? Oh, he does One say man. we're grown men. No, yeah. I'm going to go with. You stuck with the young boy. I wanted to go with Webster. He's cute as hell, that Webster, right? Yeah. He, either that. Oh, I. Speaking of which, after we're done this little section, I got to tell you something that I was going to send you last night. Ooh, it'll get you laughing. But either that or Arnold from Different Strokes. Th- those are the two. I, 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 it's funny that I picked two <laughs> little guys. Say, right? But you're not saying Gary Coleman? No, I, I, I really, I don't even want Emmanuel Lewis. I want Webster. I don't know how okay. he's an asshole. I need to have Arnold so then I could just go around and I could say what you're talking about, Willis. Right? I can't do that without merch. He's dead. That's what our power would be. Look, again, that's why I didn't say Gary Coleman. That guy's dead. I don't need to, to you know, d- deal with him. I got some dead kid in me. And he said kid. This is when he was cute. Not later, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, Craig. Who would you have, eh? Oh, me? I'll fuse with you. Oh, would you? Yeah, but our fusion's a little bit different. When I just put you on our shoulders, on my shoulders and we become Master Blaster. That would be okay. I, I was going to say. Beyond I mean, Thunderdome? It's only like 8.30. We could certainly fuse later. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't drink anymore, so that's not going to work out. Uh-huh. Well, I don't drink at all, so it will work out. <laughs> Come over here, I'll wine and dine you, give you some lamb. I mean, it'll be a fancy date. Here's some, here's some undercooked lamb and some tap water. What I have is under undercooked lamb, and Tanya just handed me an Arby's Diet Coke. I don't know why or how. I've not had a fountain <laughs> soda in quite some time. Uh, I do drink a lot of coffee. I can wind it down. You undercooked lamb and some uh, some Dunkin' Donuts coffee. No, no. Give, give me that Diet Coke. It's actually Dunkin' Donuts cup that I've been using for like a week for the coffee. Gross. So I heat it up. I heat it up in the cup, oh, right? You heat it up. Sterilization. It's there. Like, Tanya, I actually uh, got some white chocolate uh, coffee, you know, browns. Gross. And I said to her, Hey, hey, do you want to try some of these? And she said, when was the last time you cleaned the coffee pot? And legitimately, not joking, I could not answer that. So she did not have... Yes, I like to give you a lot of shit, but I can't remember the last time I cleaned my coffee pot. You rinse though. it out. You rinse it out each time, right? I you do, rinse yeah, yeah. it out, and then you go, and then you but fill like, it. I haven't given it a good deep... Actually, I don't know, because I don't remember the last time I did it. I, I haven't given it a deep clean. I'm saying I haven't had cleaner hit glass in quite some time. But I, I end up where I, I do drink it so often. It's not like... If I ended up not drinking coffee for a week and went and it was all, you know, had things Gross. growing in it, then I then I might do that. But that doesn't happen, Eric. Uh, how long would you allow a coffee that had cream in it to sit on your desk before you wouldn't drink it? Would that be just overnight or would yes. it take a little longer? And I say that as soon as it gets cold, I'm not drinking that. Well, you heat it up. Is what I'm not heating it up. Okay. I guess you're a better man than me. That's yeah. what we have there. So we're Let's master blaster. That, what? What? The idea of there is no limit. How long? No, no. <laughs> there How? is no limit. Get that fucking shit off your coffee. It stinks. Off I your coffee, ended off your up desk. 
I ended up uh, heating up a deal I'm realizing the other day that it might have been because I'd actually I have one of those insulated deals. But I also I kind of have different cups and things like that. Didn't realize that what I heated up might have been like three or four days old. What you got to do is just stop living the way you live. So every time we get on, you can't tell me how like, you know, gross you are, how sick you are, because I understand why. Maybe. Maybe. Eric. I, I have a bit of a sensitive tummy, I'd like to say. Tanya the other day because I, I didn't I told her I didn't feel well and usually uh, mints will help me out. Not like mince pie, I mean mints with a T S. And she ended up getting me an Altoid. She got me, you know, one of those tints. So she gives it to me. I'm doing some editing. Before I know it within forty minutes, maybe less, I ate the whole damn thing because you know that the other if it's around yeah, you. So I, I ended up eating it and I, I hadn't done that in a while and I realized that then what happens and it's it's kind of fun. You, you start to, if you get gas or even if you go and take a dump, you, you blow out like a, a mini kiss out of your ass. And it really like cools your ass. toys, but somehow you're a child. I don't understand this. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there trying to make Stature myself hard to giggle to myself because it comes out and smells like mint and actually has like a refreshingly cool feel as it comes out of your butt cheeks. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Stop playing with See, your butthole. Just want to mention, Eric, Craig, you did it. We went off on a tear. <laughs> ah, Webster. But I'm glad you picked me. That actually is one of the nicest things. Also, just as an aside, we ended up having a parody song this week. And I wanted to ask you, was that Jess? I thought Jess killed you again. You were actually very nice to me and said, that's really good. I didn't think of that. Oh, my, I did it. I was so happy. <laughs> you don't understand the smile that I you rarely smile. Is, I, I feel like I'm doing weird things that I don't normally do to try to make people feel like, I'll say something to somebody with like, thanks, but I'll use an X instead of a KS, which I never do. I said a, like a happy birthday to a friend of mine where I said love you at the end of happy birthday, but I did L-U-V. I never do that. Oh my, you're like some, you know, teenage girl on some text chats or something like that. Look at you. Yeah, you actually said. I, I wish I could get the uh, the exact deal because it made me smile. It's like, look at Eric being nice. And then I start worrying. I started worrying. You, uh, oh, no. Where was it? You said, I didn't even think of that version of the song. That's pretty cool. Oh, my. That is pretty cool. I, and that was like, holy shit. Eric Shea said it was pretty cool. Oh, my I'm telling goodness. you, I, I'm just sitting there thinking of Louis Armstrong, and that was it. Oh, by the way, yeah, I'll give you a lot of credit for your Louis Armstrong impersonation. Oh, really? <laughs> said that he thought it was a hidden talent. And he said that, <laughs> and I got furious. I, I Oh, what? my God. Because I got jealous, Eric. I got jealous of you. But then you said that was, I think, then you sent me that thing. Like, it, it all worked out. I was all happy. I'm a, I'm a complex individual, Eric. I'm an asshole through and through, and it's, it's getting worse. But you're always there to reel me in. You're my anchor, and I'm your master blaster. So that so is what anchors do, they reel people in? Yeah, you just tie me down. But you yeah, end yeah. up where you, but. So marriage is for. Here's the deal. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to be tied down, right? But that is it. it. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Joe. If you want to email and and have, yeah, that's true. Have all the nonsense that we go with the mail. We haven't had some mail in a while. Uh, Email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. That is that. We're going to get back to three more books. Actually, I lie, Eric. I don't like to be a liar, but I I do occasionally. The idea we're going to go now to not three more books. I don't like to be caught lying. It's the thing. Yeah. We're going to go off to actually me and Zach talk Batman, Santa Claus, Santa, uh, Silent Night with a K, 
number one, nice. something that I did tell he Eric. Did it, I, I told Eric, he asked, I think that when you do eventually get to reading it, I think you will enjoy it. You'll enjoy yeah, the hell out of it. About it. Yeah, it's really good. So me and Zach are going to be talking about that. And then me and Eric will be back with those three other books. Hey, everybody. Do you like eating but don't have time to cook tasty, nutritious meals for you and your family? Well, why don't you let Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, do almost all the work for you? Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up. I mean, who has time for all that when you just want to eat? So get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered right to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And you can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Whether it's calorie smart, vegan, veggie, protein plus, and more. And if you're just like me, you just try them all. Plus, Factor isn't just for dinner. Count on extra convenience any time of the day with an assortment of over 55 add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Now, with all that aside, Factor sent me a bunch of meals. And they had smoothies, protein drinks, all of this for me to try. And they were pretty good. This week, I ended up having jalapeno lime cheddar chicken, black pepper and sage pork chops, creamy Parmesan chicken. I mean, I was eating like a Rockefeller. And I mentioned earlier that I tried risotto for the first time. That was from them. And it was really, really good. And I also shared a bunch of them, kind of shared. They kind of grabbed them, but with Rafe and Tanya and legit. Rafe, who doesn't say anything's good, actually texted me and said that they were, quote, delicious, which I've never heard him say any time with anything I ever made. So, yeah, I was kind of upset, but it was really, really good. And Tanya even didn't eat popsicles all week. She actually had a bunch of healthy vegan meals that she really did enjoy. So head to factormeals.com slash weirdscience50. And use code WeirdScience50 to get 50% off of Factor right now. That's code WeirdScience50 at FactorMeals.com slash WeirdScience50 to get 50% off. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to just click and go. Yeah, just seriously, try it out. I ended up probably eating some of the best meals I've had in quite some time. And it's no joke. They are ready. In two minutes and they are ready to go And taste awesome so check That out thanks a lot everybody And back to the show And I'm here With my man Zach what up Zach What's up Jim what's up and we have a Book that's a holiday book it's Going to be coming out every week so It's a weekly event I would say very Weekly but I like it so uh, And also it's kind Of fun so that's why Eric is not involved Which I'm sure that I probably mentioned He is not a fun miser I think that he will like it. I did tell him this week that he should check it out. He seemed like he was hesitant, but I think he will. And I think this is something that everybody should check out. And uh, you're here to tell everybody at one point, you know, I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then you got a hold of me and said, hey, are you going to be reading and reviewing it? And I said, yeah, I don't know about it. I'll see. And then I read it and I loved it. And then I said to you, yeah, we'll, we'll record it then. I did do a really quick YouTube video for it if you want to go check out this little commercial for the YouTube channel at Weird Science Comics. But I ended up doing that. So, because I ended up, even the, this is an aside, but I have been putting 
different types of reviews up on YouTube and told or asked people, do they want the longer ones that were from the podcast or something different there? And most people said they'd rather have the YouTube be slightly different. So I'm going to do those kind of things, just me getting through it quick. But me and you are going to dive a little deeper into it, though it is a quick issue. But yeah. it is Batman Santa Claus Silent Night with a K, number one. And it's written by Jeff Parker, who I actually do like. I think that he's a he kind of plays the funny guy role a lot of times. Most people, if you have listened to our podcast for long enough, one of the things I really did like was his slightly, it was just a short run of Aquaman. And he ended up in that, uh, Arthur ended up having a high school reunion that he went. It was fun. And I do like him. There's also art by Michelle Bandini, which I really like as well. I do Alex too. Sinclair's, which really good cover. Yeah. And the, the lettering was Kick-Ass by Pat Brousseau. Yeah. So, again, I didn't know how this was going to go. To me, and I know you do end up, you're one of those schmucks, I'd like to call it. That I'm a schmuck. Yeah, you, you, well, you end up getting those. You're always asking me to, hey, if you do this anthology deal, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, the Thanksgiving Feast of Plenty book. Like, you'll end up having those holiday anthologies, the summer one and things that we've done a bit. We, that's why I want to say yours. You made me do that Nort swimsuit deal. But we did yeah. it, right? Yeah, the we thing did. is, I think a lot of people, and I've talked to a lot of people, that they're kind of so turned off by that nonsense, like the nuclear winner we had a couple of, like, that they thought this was going to be like that. That this was going to be, oh, it's just this throwaway deal. It's And I'll tell you, it is kind of out here as just an aside thing. And also, I want to mention before I forget, it's also on the app for free this week. I don't know if they're going to do it each week, but at least you can check out the first issue. And again, I think it's worth it because oh, definitely. it's actually not like it, it's not as all ages as I thought it was going to be. And it's also not as continuity askew. That I imagined. I thought this might end up turning out to be, and I'm not putting it down or anything, or but like the Scooby-Doo Adventures, things like that. It's it's not like that. It's actually a book that seems as if I get this. This is crazy. Jeff Parker and Michelle Bandini seem to really care about giving, you know, a cool little story and having some fun with it. And I think yeah. that if you do like, say, uh, Shazam, or The World's Finest by Mark Wade. It kind of has that feel uh, to me. It kind of has that classic, almost silver agey little deal of let's have fun. And that's a tradition with DC. So I'm glad that they do have that. In fact, we were talking about the cover where Superman is reading one of the old Batman. It's a, it's a classic deal of the whole Santa Claus Batman and stuff. And, of course, Batman, he looks pissed. Wonder Woman's there for some reason, because we'll say right now, at this first issue at least, Superman and Wonder Woman aren't involved. And then you have Santa, who looks like he just got caught with a real sus internet history. He looks right there on that cover like you have just caught Santa Claus on his own little naughty list, and it made me giggle. But yeah, and you even see kind of a spoiler, vampires. You have all that. It's, It's really cool. Again, my main thing is, it's my favorite book this week. It's yeah, mine as well. My favorite book this week. And you start out, and there's carolers. And again, when you get into something like this, I, you kind of try to get the lay of the land. You try to see what's happening. And I, I thought that maybe these guys and gals were not on the up and up because some of them are like, they don't want to be caroling. They're upset. And I'm like, what is the play here? They're just bored of caroling. 
I uh, I like I don't know if you know this, but I do like singing a song or two. Really? I, I like. I have never in my life gone caroling, and I never will. I will never in my life go caroling because all I I'd be so upset because again I'd end up in some jerk. Hey, who sings that or something? Just to shame me, I'd be so upset. Also, I have never answered a door when Carolus came to the door because th- there's a real bit of being it's an uncomfortable thing in my mind to be somebody listening to people singing while you're just standing there like if you're watching a band they're playing stuff they're on a stage but when some people are just there singing they kind of like and you feel like you have to keep nodding and like you know that's good you know and like even at the end like the cut but even but when they're doing it you 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 feel like you need to give them a reaction. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. There was a guy where I worked who used to come in. I've mentioned it on the podcast because like, I can't stand the harmonica. And this guy would come in every week with the harmonica and he'd play the harmonica to me while he like looked up. Like he'd have his head down playing, but his eyes would be looking up to see my reaction. And I, I eventually just as because I ended up getting so sick of it, I like did that crazy move where you're slapping your, your knee. Like you're at a hoe down, and he, he called me a dick. He was actually very mad at me because he thought I was making fun of him. And I then I started just saying, I don't know how to react. Plus, he wasn't very good. But then I hate their Monica. I'm neurodivergent. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I just can't take this. So you end up starting. You have the Carolers. Back to the issue. You have the Carolers, and you do see, and it's one of those where, and in a cool way, if you read it a couple times. Start to see a little because the first time I read it, I didn't see the claw from the dirge, the vampires that we're going to get. And they're vampire, they're kind of vampire adjacent. They're Norse vampires. You're going to play a lot of Norse mythology, even throwing in Asgard in this. So it's kind of a cool way. And that works with Santa. Santa has so much mythology around them. So you end up where you do see this claw and you see that the, you know, the deal is, is these carolers who. I guess people are sick of them, so they're just caroling in the street. I mean, they're not even at a door. They're in the street, and they get attacked. And it's funny because when you first see it, you think, oh, I get it, man bat. It's going to be man bat things. It's going to be – and in fact, when Batman and Robin show up, and it's Damian Wayne Robin, they actually mention at one point man bat. And I do like the way Jeff Parker, he kind of dots his eyes and crosses his T's here in a way that isn't over the top that Batman says. I don't know what's going on here. Hey, do you think it's Manbat? No, he's accounted for. Langstrom is, it's not him. And they start to worry about what it is, and they realize, okay, it looks like somebody sucked their blood out. And when you see the people, they come in and everything, they're just scattered because they get attacked by this group of these vampires and uh, and flying vampires. Like you said, they're more like flying bats. So they end up coming in. And yeah, they're bloody popes. They're they're dead. I mean, they're fully dead, but their blood their blood has been sucked out, and so they're figuring. But it only has one hole. So they're like, okay, this is weird. Because again, you're talking about a DC universe where, in fact, it could end up being Dracula. Like Dracula yeah. has shown it. You have a lot of crazy things going on, but they're trying to figure this out. I know Eric wouldn't like this. But you end up where all of a sudden, I don't know why a snowman's right next to Batman, but all of a sudden it starts glowing and out pops Zatanna. She like busts out, probably ruining some kid's day the next day when he comes out to see that his snowman has been destroyed. But she used a spell. She even says like everything that you even think like, oh, that's weird. It's not. It's just kind of fun and cool. 
And she says that she used the spell, the snow transport spell. I figured I'd check it out and see what's going on because she's called in and they want to see if she can help. And they're trying to find out. And she says back in the day, the pseudoscience that Batman wants to pish posh is that play. If you can see the last thing that this person says, she says they used to think that the whole deal of the, you know, the, the vision, your eyes were to your soul when you'd be able to hold the last thing you saw. Things like that. And she does use that to show these weird mole rat looking vampires. Damien says, looks like mole rats. And Satana says, no, they're the drog. They're the drog. And says it's a vampiric strain of Norse undead. So then Batman's like, oh, Norse. They're trying to figure this out. And there's a big play. And, and I'll give it to you. In a second, Damien starts taking pictures like he's actually doing yeah, he's, he's doing his own crime scene deal and he sees these footprints. And again, it, it's a smart play. He sees this vision of this mole rat flying vampire that really does have one big giant tooth in the front. That's why you only have the one bite mark. But then he sees that these things and you see later, he says. They don't really jive with what else is going on. Yeah, so their he's taking footprints pictures. don't match the ones he's looking at right now. Yep. So it's cool. He's doing his work. And, and this is what I like about it, especially a, an issue that could just be mailed in here. You do see it's kind of playing it smart because when you go back and you read it again, you realize, yeah, Damien's he's doing his thing. Batman's trusting him to do his thing. Then they just they just get attacked. And yeah. again, you have these drugs where they're not exactly you know, playing it smart, but they're not. They're they're just these beasts that end yeah, up going. Creatures, yeah. Now, so you go for there, like, you get Batman fighting them. Yeah, he fights one off that immediately flies off, and then uh, another one grabs Damien, which Batman was able to, yeah, he, he grabs Damien, and he's able to uh, weigh the vampire down enough, and, you know, of course, Damien's like, well, I'm glad I have my toughness booster, am I right? And it's like, quiet down, Damien. Yeah, and uh, then and I'm then, thinking, like, Okay, is Damien going to get turned? Like, he gets scratched. I'm like, I don't think that would transmit it. Like, Damien Vampire might be cool. But you do see these guys, too, with these, like, crazy loincloth, you know, creep pants with rope belts and stuff. Like, they they do look ancient. They do look like, and they are. They're the drugs. So the big play is what's going on with them. But again, you go from here because it is pretty crazy. Batman knocks the tooth out of the one guy, which was kind of crazy. Things get more violent, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, it's about to, because as soon as they land, next thing you know, you get a stake or an arrow right through the one that had Damien. And And like you you said, it is a stake, but an arrow, because, yeah, yeah, what do you, you go with it, because it's cool. You just see Santa on a giant reindeer, and I mean giant, like, I'm not talking about, like, just normal size. This is, like, bigger than a moose-sized reindeer. Yeah, it's huge. And And he has this giant crossbow, and he's just like, oh, I came as soon as I heard. Yep. And yeah, and so it's we Santa. We found out that this reindeer is Prancer. This is Prancer. Yeah, it's Prancer. And I even, when I was talking about this with somebody, the funny play is if you know the whole deal with these, don't really have pointy antlers. And if you look at this, I mean, Santa, he actually seems to have gone and sharpened these antlers. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> the idea that Santa's there. Okay, the elves are making the presents. I'm going to go sharpen Prancer's antlers because Prancer in this becomes the biggest, baddest vampire hunter that has ever lived. And that's where you get the idea. While I think kids could read this, if the kids believe in Santa, 
and want to like Prancer and not think of Prancer no, as a can't. vampire hunter. You might not want to have them. You have to look at the age with that. But it's cool because Santa, again, it's one of those things. I said in my review on YouTube, I I can't get enough of Badass Santa. Anytime oh, you him. have a Badass Santa, I'm in. I love it, especially tying it into the Norse myths, all that I could go. Because it's not like this is original. I saw some people say, oh, we've seen this a yeah, we have. We've had this, and even we'll just spoil it. You get Krampus by by the end. Yeah, we, most people have seen this, but I'm telling you, I don't care because I think it's cool every single time, and it's also cool because he comes in, and again, this isn't Santa. It's not ho ho ho, but he's still Santa, and it's so funny that when Damien sees Santa, he freaks out. Because Damien does not believe in Santa. And it's one of those things that Damien wants to be the coolest kid and pretend that he's not a kid and all that. You can tell that when he sees Santa, he's so conflicted that he thinks it's awesome that there really is a Santa. But he wants to play it cool and say, oh, Santa, I don't believe in Santa. And it's like, yeah, I I don't know. And it's funny. He goes, Santa, because he's like, hey, I'm Mr. Claus. And he's like, you can't be serious. I don't believe in Santa. And then Santa goes, you and me both, kid. It made me laugh. It was so great. But it's fun yeah. to see, like, Damien almost, like, wanting to be a little kid, uh, uh, but still pretty kick-ass. But Santa comes in, like you said, that was the stake that went through the drug really was, it was a arrow, but it was, like, half of a tree, it looked like. I mean, this crossbow Santa is Santa is almost seven feet tall. He is huge. Buff. And it looks cool. I mean, you get the whole Santa's outfit, but it's played in that Nordic deal. He has knives on his belt. It it reminds me, if you read the Grant Morrison Claws of Klaus, that's what it looks like. It looks a lot. And again, that's another play of that, you know, badass Santa, that rustic and real life kind of deal. But the big play here is you have him say, oh, you know what? I want it to come. And I love where he has a couple things going on. He has a bit of a rain man deal with him he has a thing but he also says i came as soon as i heard the drow never got farther than northern europe before for them to be free again and in gotham city is bad tidings." so it always goes back to like some sort of christmas saying and things which makes me laugh and mm-hmm. then prancer gets pissed and snorts and he's like easy there prancer as a good way to show you that it is prancer with his glowing demonic eyes but yeah. then santa's there and he's saying hi okay whatever and you go with this whole play there where Satana ends up where she comes up. Oh, my God, Santa. Because people are, you would be kind of in, like, Santa finding out he's real and he's right there. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Not only is he real, but he's a badass. Oh, yeah, he's a badass. And he's humongous. And any time that anybody says, now, he doesn't do it to Damien right away in that deal. But everybody else, it seems, you go up and say, hi, Santa, my name's Jim Warner. And he'll just... He can't help it like a Raymond. He'll just say the address of when you were a kid. <laughs> it made me laugh. Like, I think it is like a OCD thing for him where I'm like, hey, Jim Warner, 93 bracelet line. Like, he's just going to say weird things. And so you have that going on. But then you find out just to make it even better is that one of the people who trained Batman was Santa. Santa's yeah. like, hey, ever Batman since even I- says, Chris, it's been a long time. Damien's like, wait, what? Yep. And then you even have because we're going to go quick to. Nightwing and, and Barbara back up, They're fighting some drugs The drugs are all in And you get that play It's funny because Batman has told them all 
hey, uh, I trained with Santa. They thought it was a joke. They yeah. thought that that was a bedtime story of the holidays to make Santa seem kick ass. But, and I, I argued with somebody today about this, the idea that Batman can do tons of stuff in that little bit of nighttime, maybe that <laughs> he also can get in and out of places We're crazy. He can disappear. Like, all of those things you could tie into, maybe that's what he learned. And I'm glad Jeff Parker doesn't do and I'm, it does it perfect. He doesn't say, oh, that's how Batman gets in chimneys or that. Don't spell it out. He lets you infer it. You can start thinking of the things and it may or may not be, but I think it works because of the way, yeah. you know, Batman is and all that stuff and magic and blah, like, because they do explain in a bit that give you that background of this Nora's deal but even then you have nightwing and barbara they're fighting across town and everybody's got to go over there so you end up where they're fighting barbara and and they're taking care of these droughts there's a lot of them yeah. they're doing pretty well but then prancer shows up and and dick grayson mm-hmm. is not killing and i'll also mention in this you're not getting the full vampire rules they you know disappear in dust they do seem to kind of just die where they go, and even at a bit, we'll have a play with Satana does that. They don't burn up or things like this. These are actually like feral animals that happen to be these drug vampires. But Nightwing is, you know, he's, he seems to be trying not to kill him. Prancer shows up, and he has two of these drugs just completely decimated on his yeah, he handlers. He comes them. in. He impales them both, and they are ripped apart. And that's the best. As you, you even see it, like in the panel box before he shows up, you hear jingling in the background. You can see the sound effects. It's jingle, jingle, jingle. Next, thing you know, they get impaled. Santa doesn't say, "Oh my God!" Like, no, he's happy. And at that point, Dick, he's tied up a bunch of these drugs. They seem to be pulling him in a way that then he goes off balance, and a couple other drugs are after him, and they're going to attack him. Maybe kill him, turn him into something. And that's when Prancer just, he decimates them. They are ripped apart. And it's like Santa's so proud, so proud of Prancer. And then he says, I got your message, Dick, about the, and then says his address. (laughs) And you said it's a kind of a cool play because you tell people what the Easter egg is. Yeah, so uh, with each of the uh, times he tells the address, like, for instance, the first one with Zatanna, that was a reference to her creation. So, you know, it was a 1964 uh, Fox Hawk Lane, right? Well, she was created in 1964 by Gardner Fox in the Hawkman comic, number four. That's so that was cool. what that was. That's a really cool Easter egg. But then this one, 1007 Mountain Drive, I had to do a little research into this. But that is the address for Wayne Manor in Batman the Animated Series, which is where Dick grew up. And yeah, it is really cool. And he has it. And then it's that play, like, he, but he just says it. He's like, hey, got your message, Dick. Grayson, 1007 Mountain. <laughs> Dick's like, no way. It's like all into this. So these other drug are there. They're attacking. And when you end up having Zatanna and Batman come in, she opens. It's a, I think this is a really cool play because you think of different things she can do, but she opens up a portal to the other side of the world where it's daytime. So the daylight shines in at yep. these drugs. So they, uh, but again, they don't end up burning up. They they leave. They fly off, and we then start to get more of the story. It's funny. That's where Dick Grayson says, "Man, I didn't know." Like it, it's funny because Santa goes off to talk to Batman about things, and you do end up having Barbara, Dick, and Damien almost like little kids suddenly. It's like, 
my God, he's did you say that he's real? I'm like, man. And that's where Dick says, you know, I Batman told me, Bruce told me adventures that they had together in training, but I thought that was all bullcrap. I thought he was just making up stories to make him seem Santa sound more cool. But Santa is cool as hell. And yeah, yeah. even Damien goes, Definitely not a jolly little elf or nice to kids because he wasn't <laughs> that nice to him. It made me laugh. But you end up where they have a book and you're going to tell it again. Is this forced in the way? Yes. A, a little. Bit. Yeah. But Zatanna's like, oh, well, now I, now I know what's true based on what I've done around him. So she tells the tale of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that's the kind of story. And you're going from the steel of Dick Grayson saying, oh, Bruce used to tell me these stories actually also kind of shines a cool light at Batman, too, that he would take the time to do that at points. But you end up where she gets this book, and I like the idea that Barbara is, you have to give the wink-wink of the librarian. In a, so, hey, I got this out of my life. You have your own library? But they don't, <laughs> again, Jeff Parker's just telling little jokes. They don't go too far, so they don't end up. But you get this Norse version of Santa and yeah, he's there. It ties into Asgard, ties into, you know, the Asgardian, the Norse gods, things like that. And the play does then end up, and why you really are getting this is it ends up with Krampus. And the idea that Krampus was about, but Krampus ends up being just the jokester. He ends up, he looks horrific, but at first, he was just a guy who ran around to scare kids. And it was a joke, and he thought it was hilarious. And it is funny tying it in. It kind of is the Krampus, you know, Santa deal, but it feels a lot like Silver Age Joker. He used to be like crazy and wacky, you know, but Joker then gets worse and worse and worse. And it kind of ends up being that connection with Krampus. And you're really going to get that play of how everybody says, well, Batman should have killed Joker all along. You do have Santa who's very upset that he didn't take care of Krampus when he should have. So I like that tie in. With the Joker, Batman, Santa, Krampus, it works for me. But even then, it's like, it is weird where Krampus is just, he's going around, he's like, you know, big tongue, and he's making the kids all get upset until he got too dark and too yeah. crazy things. And that's when he says, yeah, I should have dealt with him, uh, you know, and says the drug, all that. But that's where Damien says, I think that this Krampus is back. And they're like, what do you mean? He said, there were these. And he shows the phone. He did take a picture. And it looked like, you know, hooves, cloven hooves. And he and says, he, I he think. he even explains. He's like, at first, I thought maybe they were your reindeers because, you know, they both are hooves. He's like, but th- it's not right. It's not the right shape and size because, you know, Krampus, he's more of a, like a goat hoof. While, uh, yeah, and he walks upright. He's biped, so these are that. It's funny when he shows it. I'm like, looks like a face is what it looks like. But he's he shows it. Santa's like, yep. That's what it is. And you end up then just this weird play because it ends up being that myth and things like that. One of the drugs that ended up getting killed, it ends up glowing. And then all of a sudden, these orchids kind of come out this bouquet. And it is like they're all confused. <laughs> and I like Barbara because it looks like, oh, crap. And then Barbara's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. It's like, oh, man, they have their own funeral bouquets. Oh, this is cool. And then oh, you have wing. this dead drug. And it's funny because. They seem to be walking like, oh, the party's over. Let's go. Like, And then all of a sudden they get the talking and it's in a black word bubble deal. And it is Krampus. You have, you know, Santa realizes right away. Then you get that Satana. She pretty much back in the day, Nickelodeon gets slimed. Yeah. And it does take her out. And it's it's a 
cool little play, I guess, that Krampus then, because this is Krampus says, I had to take care of the magic user first. It looks like it knocked her out for a bit. And again, if you're going to play the game, this might just end up being, you know, it didn't kill Zatanna, but we want to get this done. It's a Christmas thing. And maybe that's the play like, oh, she'll be sleeping until after Christmas. And that's when, you know, because you have Krampus who wants to cause problems. But says she may have, you know, been able to lock me away. So I had to get rid of that call sound of the toy maker. But it's really cool. And then you do have like this weird mist come out and then you get Krampus who, yeah, he, he doesn't look so funny. He never looked funny. Like, no. you know, the idea. But at least he was going around. Hey, kids, look at me. Oh, he was doing was scaring people. Now, now, yeah, no. now he's like Venom. <laughs> he's like a Venom type of crazy deal. He's got his horns as Krampus. And again, the art by Michelle Bandini, I like throughout. The yeah. one thing I will say that when you see Santa, he's like, oh, man, that's kick ass. But it's also got a cartoony look that I like until mm-hmm. you get Krampus because Krampus does look a little too cartoony at the end. Yeah, just a but that's the bit. art style. It kind of looks kind of goofy, but still. Yeah. And says you should again, if you think of what he's saying to Santa, kind of would go with a play of the Joker and says, you should have killed me. All the horrors we trapped, you should have slain. You should have killed me. I will free them. And it, again, it's for Christmas. He says, I will free them all for Christmas. And Christmas will become the day of misery. Ho, ho, ho. And then it ends. And like, all right, you set up some pretty cool things. You, you really set up a kick-ass Santa Prancer. Just fully insane. Think has the taste for blood. But even the kids, Damien, Nightwing, Barbara, it's all good. I think it's yeah. really cool. And so the big play is all these monsters. And it doesn't just say the drug. I think there might be more. But he's going to release them, which could be the way that you get all the other heroes involved. Like maybe we'll which would be you know, really have cool. a bunch of things. And I think it's four issues to each week. Yes. It's just like, I, again, I said when I was doing the uh, YouTube review that when you do something like this, you want to end up, you want to have a, like a wordplay pun at the end to get on the trade. But it has to be like a Christmassy thing like, oh. And this is the surprise you find under the tree, some nonsense like that. <laughs> but it really is because I didn't expect it. The idea that this comes out in a week that I was struggling with a lot of books from DC and Marvel, and I read this and had so much fun and just had a smile. I'm like, you know what? This isn't going to win an Eisner. It's not going to. It's not trying to be fancy. It's just a cool deal. And I like the characterization. I like the idea of Santa being kick-ass prancer. You have Krampus, and it's just fun. And by the end, I'm like, I really liked it. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I really liked it, too. Uh, overall, it was a lot of fun. I like getting to see uh, this history we haven't seen before with Batman and Santa. Because, you know, the whole solicit says, like, this is Santa in canon. And you can argue it whether or not. But I enjoy it. You know what? It's I'm, not I'm putting be- it in canon. Really? It doesn't okay. matter. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. not going to. It doesn't ruin anything. It's cool. Yeah, it doesn't mention Gotham or anything like that, but it's all the characters as their current designs. You know, there's nothing to suggest it's not in canon. So I, I wouldn't mind it being part of canon. I really like the interactions between everybody. I like the cool moments where you get to see, like, Santa do the wink and nods with the Easter eggs. You know, just him being a really cool badass. I mean, that is always really fun and nice to see. The art is great. The colors are great. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I, I ended up, I think on the video, I gave it a 8.5. Okay. I'm gonna give it a nine, but I want to give it a nine. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna go up. Uh, Come on, it's it's the giving season, Jim. Well, and it's also the play of it. When something is bad, every time you read it, it, it tends to get worse. Like, and that, that's another thing I could say about this issue. 
Another thing is that I have read this issue four times this week, Jim, since it's come out. Four times. I cannot tell you the last time I did that for a book. Yeah, I really, really like it. I think that everybody should check it out again if you have the app. Just go and read it. I mean, it's there. Yeah, and it's on to, the app. To my and knowledge, if, I don't even think you need the Ultra app or Ultra version. I think you can just have the regular Infinite. Yeah, sometimes they even do the play where it's like free to everybody, even if you yeah. don't like it. But uh, I doubt they did that, but still. And if you if you don't have the app, it, it is kind of a way to, you know, get it for a month or so. I, I end up having the Ultra. I love it. Yeah, and I have so Ultra too. I, I'm, I'm down with that. But yeah, I also got it like this crazy code. Uh, but there's always codes to get the things yeah. too. But I'm telling you, it's well worth it. And if if you can, it's one of those things. I it's weird though because you want to read it now during the Christmas season, the holiday season. Uh, but you know you could wait for the trade. But then it's going to be DC takes so long to get trades out, and you never know. Yeah, what it'll probably they're be next do. Christmas till we get it. <laughs> the sequel. Hey, everybody, will be remember out next this? Year. It's March. You're like, I don't need it in March. Like seriously, but. Again, Summerween, that sucked, right? You have yeah. a scary story. This actually is coming out perfect. Come the, the weeks of Christmas, we'll end it and yeah. the last week deal. I think it's really good. I was really impressed. So I am going to go nine. And yeah, I've seen, and you know, there's crazy stories, whether canon or not, of like, that's when Batman learned from Sherlock Holmes. And I, that's just as goofy. It's fine. It actually, I, again, I think that Jeff Parker plays it well that he doesn't yeah. spell it out. He's not like, oh, yeah, I remember that when you left Henri Descartes and weren't there at Richard Dragon yet, you came over here and I taught you this. He just says, oh, yeah, you know, met and trained you and stuff. And you're like, okay. I, I would just love to see it pop up in like the Zadarsky book where it's like, oh, he he, he beats uh, Zurinar using the stuff. Yeah, I don't remember Santa that in the Batman the Nighter. And it, it would be fun. <laughs> I actually want to. And if they don't say it in the book, I'll just drive Eric nuts. Like all of a sudden, Batman will be somewhere. And I'm like, oh, he must have learned that from Santa. And I'll be like, don't I give me that, that book up in the North Pole. Yeah, it'd be so great. So we'll do that. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. See what's going. I want to see. Well, then again, it's funny because I was going to say about, so well, Santa actually with Wonder Woman would be funny, but I was thinking of the idea where Superman, they would just have the Kent's farm, but it'd be funny if he like got all crazed up because he's an alien. But what does Santa do? How does he deliver the presents to Themyscira? Because he can't set foot on it. Maybe he just kind of Well, he actually even says in this issue, Jim, he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, well, he doesn't now. I'm saying when he's saying these, like, does he have Wonder Wonder Woman's address? Is he just going to say? Themyscira, like as a girl, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if she shows up. And they're like, that's cheating. And then he's like, Paradise way, Island. I, I stepped foot on Paradise Island like 80 times. Your mother was one of my lovers. Like, then it gets really dark. Oh, and no. she's mad. Then again, we find out, and people are you didn't going come like, from clay. You came from yeah, Tom snow. King. Tom King is like the deal of, you know, he's kind of being ambiguous of clay, Zeus. It's neither. It's Santa. So you're like, there. I didn't wrap my present that night. And your mother was horned up is what happens. And then we find out, yep, it was all snow. She got two lumps of coal, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. She was goodness. a naughty girl. I stuffed her stocking. And Wonder Woman's like, just stop. She's dead. Please, please. Oh, my condolences. But why? What a lay. Well, it explains why she's a warrior badass, too. I mean, it, it kind of works. Actually, what if you look at his face. 
Kind of, well, again, he also looks a lot like Bruce, so who knows what, you know, Martha was up to, but... Santa gets around. We just find out, because if you said right now, like, oh, guess what, Santa is wonderful, I'd look at him and I'm like, I can see it. I can yeah, see it right not? now. And you know kind of does look. A, he looks a little like Zeus, so maybe that was the confusion. He just snuck in. But there you go. And also, for some reason, is Zatanna's father as well. Zatara, get out of town. But I uh, really did like it. I liked it. Uh, and I hope by the end that Damien decides to go off and become an elf in the North Pole. That'd be hilarious, too, because he's a little guy. But that's that. But we'll go back. At, thanks for joining me. We, we talked wrong. a lot of nonsense, but again, I want to yeah. stress. Everybody should check it out. It's though. so good. It's The book is really, really good. Go check it out. But we'll go back to... Some more books that probably aren't as good right now to finish up the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends, the ultimate Dragon Ball experience on your mobile device. Dragon Ball Legends features action-packed anime action RPG gameplay with Goku, Vegeta, Trunks, and all your favorite Dragon Ball characters. Summon your favorite characters from popular Dragon Ball anime series, such as Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT to Dragon Ball Super. Fight in real time against friendly or rival Dragon Ball players from across the globe in live PvP battles. Enter ratings matches with your favorite Dragon Ball characters and earn rating points and rewards. Unite with friends to defeat powerful foes in co-op. Dragon Ball Legends features the best anime fighting scenes on your mobile device. And now, Legends Festival is on, so you can get up to 300 free summon tickets. Are you ready? Download Dragon Ball Legends today. Available for free on both iOS and Android devices. I see a star who's green. Nightwing said blue. Jake Eric in the boom boom long Myself, what the hell is this world? I don't have a clue, but it's not right. Watch out for Lois Lane, that bitch might bite. And I say to myself, What the hell is this world? There it is, Eric. There is the song that you complimented me on through and through. And I have another one of the Ramones songs that I did as well that will probably be on the podcast the next couple of weeks from now. It is Pet Cemetery. How did you guess? My favorite. How did you guess? But we have a bunch of books. We have three more books to go. And I don't know. It's one of those things where when we do end up having the lineup of books, we kind of, okay, well, we have the big one, Batman. And then you kind of try to decide where things go. And sometimes I I end up like, oh, man, I don't want to diss this book by putting it here. Like the if we have all of them are bangers. The book at the end is always the one that we try to like, okay, that's the one that's not that great. And sometimes I feel bad. I, I don't feel that bad this week. I don't oh. feel that bad with these books. I, I don't know. Some of these that we're going to talk about, we have three. You're going to, uh, you know, go with one that you think is a little better than what I think. I think these are all stinkers, just as a little bit of a spoiler. But, but what is what a we, soul? Well, what is what is a soul? Or what is a 10 out of 10? Oh, my goodness. What are we starting with there? 
Poison Ivy number 17, written by G. Will Wilson, with art by Luana Vecchio and Hassan Atzmein Elhal. And we're still dealing with the idea that we have Zuhabia Spore zombies making their way to Gotham, trying to get to their mama, Pamela Isley. And what Pamela has to do in this process is come up with an antidote to make sure that people are inoculated against the Lamia Spore infection that she kind of got started with. And then we had the wild strain that went out there. And it's going to wreak havoc on the rest of the world. And that's what our issue is dealing with. We're dealing with a little interpersonal drama with Janet from HR, who's now had sex with uh, Ivy. Harley and, maybe, and Ivy. Well, seems I, I, like I, she I, did I, some, maybe kiss, but they, it, the it seems I, like I was thinking deal. about it. I know she had sex with Ivy. I'm like, were they just making out Aunt Harley and Janet? Seems I don't like know. they might have gone a little farther. but Maybe mm. things went a little bit further, but I do like the idea. It's like, shh, Janet, don't got to tell her because it's going to upset her. And then the other person said, Janet, you don't got to tell her. It's only going to upset her. And we're just going to deal with Janet Lucy. Losing her goddamn mind because she's dealing with all of this guilt and she's going to ruin all this. So she's acting weird and she is noticeably weird to the point where she just better go out and do the shopping that Ivy wants so she doesn't get everybody in trouble. I kind of hope that when she goes out, she gets hit by a car. I, I can't stand her. It's it's one of those things. It's a goofy character. I don't character. like her, but I don't mind her here because there's nothing for her to do except for just be awkward. There is nothing for her to do. So get her the fuck out of the book. And this is the problem I have with this book overall in that where... It always feels like we have this weird, I'm not saying full reset, but it always feels like this weird tonal reset. You have this thing, and this, it's starting to feel right now with this, oh, I got to get the Lamia Spore antidote. I know you're going to tell me, well, it does tie in from before because she gave the, it almost feels like a new writer has come on and is trying to fix what happened before, but it's still G. Will Wilson. It almost feels, because like, you know, when we get this book, it started out that way. The idea of what Tom King did, it, it was still going from that in the heroes in crisis and all that from there but in this we get to this point in this series where it just feels like it's kind of enveloping in on itself and resolving something that didn't feel like it was something that wanted to be resolved at the beginning and now i just i kind of hope that like g will wilson has realized shit i gotta get away from this lamia sports it's gone on too long i better fix this shit it's issue 17 i mean if if you thought this you should have realized that a long time ago so it's a weird play. The book had been selling. I don't know. And it's hard to tell sales. I was We were talking about before we went on the idea that you get a ranking, but that only is like the two, 130 stores of this. But I do think you can get kind of a a feel for if books are going, I you know, that sort of thing. I'm trying to, I don't know, try to say that these things aren't on accurate point. as much, but you kind of get uh, an idea of the zeitgeist of things. And this is slipping and slipping. So changing it like what would you think right now with g will wilson editorial where if this is at the point where they think okay we have to change this lamia spores have gone on too long whatever but why are you i know you're going to try to get rid of the lamia spores but it does feel like it's trying to fix something but yet the book was doing better at the beginning when it was dealing with this then it it went on too long and it lost its way then it changed up what was happening and really, we're so far removed from that idea of Ivy trying to get back at humanity and being pissed. Oh, and yeah, all we're that. totally off that now. But now we're doing like jokey stuff. Even the idea of being back in Gotham, though, and having the shack at Slaughter Swamp that she's using as a makeshift lab to keep out of, you know, Harley's area and stuff like that. This feels like we almost just got here. And it feels like it's still brand new for how little, but like it's been months now because of the, like, you know, night terrors interrupting yeah, the things night over terrors the summer. Kind of- 
and that and extend it. Finally, it. Yeah. feels out of nowhere that we're back on track. Like we had Ivy doing. I don't what know she was what was for- on track. Is what I'm saying. The thing is, we had Ivy doing her thing for the first eight issues for like I'm going to kill the world. Oh my god, Veronica Man says I can't kill the world. It's under his control. Veronica Man's gone, and then it just became the like you know. Going back around, just like, you know, almost the, the David Banner Incredible Hulk thing, and just going place to place trying to solve the Lamia Spore problem that was always just there for no reason. That just kind of got out of its way to make our way back to Gotham to where we were just doing goofy Harley stuff, trying to get back to the status quo. We have that to a degree. Harley's here. We don't really deal with her all that much. She's just in the background, so everybody knows that Harley and Ivy are still there. But now it's finally here to the point where we're like, okay, let's wrap up this Lamia Spore thing because it's been nothing but Lamia Spore since we started. Yeah, it's it's weird. And again, if you really think, and I, we'd have to go back, and we're not going to go back and check the exact deal. But I remember issue four was when we had already had the announcement it was now going to be extended to like 10. It was going to be six. And then we had the deal, and we were wondering how that was going to play out. And it changed even earlier, like at four, where it wasn't the deep, dark, oh, my God, we're going to kill the world. Then, then, like you said, it became then this on-the-road deal. Janet gets involved. I was just saying that, but the original story was on the road, but I, that had a purpose and a meaning towards it. So everything after that initial eight issues, I want to say it's on the road because it was kind of this bullshit adventures here and there. It just was all over the place, but yet it still seemed to sell. I think that they're doing this play where, first off, you said they, they've gone on too long, but the book keeps changing its tone. And, and one of the reasons, and I didn't like that at first. Remember when we were talking at the very beginning, I said I thought it was too dark. But I I'll give it one thing. It felt like it meant something, though. This doesn't feel like it means shit. And then when you get this, we have a guest artist here that's very, very cartoony, which then doesn't play in as well. I look at it. I don't feel like it's as cartoony as I think when I think cartoony, though. I just feel because this almost comes off of, as a little lighter house style to me. Yeah, I think it just all looks very cartoony to me. I will have to see what everybody else thinks, but I don't think many people are even reading this anymore. And that's a shame because some people seem to really be enjoying it. But really, this story is just, oh, Jenna from HR, she's uh, might be having a threesome here. Oh, I feel so bad. I don't know how to, to then go to the shack and have Croc show up, which she should have just let him live there, like I said. But he eats these spores. She's out. trying to get an a- antidote. But it really. From point A to point B, we really don't do that much. We spend a lot of time with Croc. That means nothing. The whole thing with Croc, I like him getting on the side of Ivy and stuff like that. But when he eats the wild strain of Lamia spores, we find out that, you know, because of his anatomy, he's immune to the effects the Lamia spores have on normal people. You know, Pamela Isley, she wants to get a blood test going on so she can make more of this, you know, inoculations as she wants. But the problem is, kill a Croc. He's done afraid of needles. And I'll tell you this, it goes on a little bit too much, the idea of like learning why and how Killer Croc's afraid of needles from his past. This is like an origin story for Croc, because he says, it's weird. I couldn't be fixed because I didn't like needles, so they gave up. That's not why. That's not why you couldn't be fixed. But that's what he's saying. I'm saying they they weren't going to be able to help his ass. Well, they were going to try, and Ivy reacts as if that was the reason. Like, G. Will Wilson, I think, is trying to retroactively say, oh, the reason why. Croc ended up becoming Croc is because they were going to try to do something and they couldn't get the needle. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, that doesn't feel like just sorry because, oh, they wouldn't have been able to do anything and you don't like needles. It seems like that was supposed to be the wink wink of this is the deal. And it's fine. We like when Croc is kind of the softer side of Croc. Oh, yeah, totally. He's playing. It doesn't feel. And then Solomon Grundy shows up. 
I don't know. It wasn't as memorable as what we had had in other books to me. Well, that, I, you, I, the thing is, the idea of having memorable stuff. Are you looking for the sweet, like, you know, I'm hanging around Sam and Grundy, which you wanted to get rid of for a while. And then when we saw JSA where you set on fire and killed him, oh, my, or do you want that fun when they're like, oh, my God, he's on fire. Please don't kill Sam and Grundy. Because in my mind, for my continuity, this is Sam and Grundy first coming back in the Slaughter Swamp after, you know, Salem the Witch Girl set his ass on fire. The Solomon Grundy I want is just somebody who's not just going to do the, the rhyme. It, it, that's all he does. He shows up and really he's there because I think that G. Will Wilson knows that she's going to have crazy zombie lummies for attack and you need numbers and Solomon Grundy will be able to rip some people apart. That's the only reason I think he's even there. Part plant as well. So he fits in there as well with it being a zombie. Again, he shows up and all he does is, you know, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. That's all he's doing there. And I would have liked a little more than that. Croc ends up getting upset. I like Croc being there. I like oh, that. Oh, no, I'm telling you, Harley. when Croc, we talk about the softer side of Croc and stuff like that. Ivy, yeah. when, when Solomon Grundy goes all kill happy on Poison Ivy and grabs him by the throat, Croc is right there to her rescue. And then I'm like, the fucking throwdown of the goddamn century right here. Solomon Grundy <laughs> versus Killer Croc. I can't wait to see more until they're all interrupted because Ivy has to go all ham on the idea like, hey, guys, um, you might want to stop all this because we got Lamia zombies coming after us. So look at this freaking this team, this freaking I don't know, I was about to say dynamic duo, but it's this this terrible trio of awesomeness right here with Killer Croc, Lamia without Poison Ivy, and Solomon Grundy taking on Lamia Spore Zombie. Like, this is pretty cool. And again, the whole idea where Croc is immune to this, Solomon Grundy, he's immune. So this fight, nobody can get hurt in this team. And this is the ultimate team that you want to put together to take on this threat. It's pretty cool in my mind, especially because it's on Slaughter Swamp, where Grundy would hang out outside of Croc. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I think that really, the, the whole play of it, and by the end, it just ends up where, I don't know, it's weird because I haven't loved the book up to this point. But when I see this, I sit there and say, but I'm even saying from the very beginning, but it's kind of like I I look and I'm like, I almost, (laughs) this feels weird. I almost feel bad for G. Willow Wilson. Like she had this big, important story that she was going to tell and they kind of didn't let her. She had to revert to some other. And then it's gotten to the point where at this point it doesn't, it's a shell of what the book was, is my play. It just, it doesn't feel like it matters. It feels like it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like you said, you think that the art isn't as cartoony, that it's kind of like a lesser house style. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Lighter house style. The book feels like a lighter house style now. Now it's become the book that it, it's like a generic Ivy deal, and she's only dealing with the stuff that she caused, but in a weird way. And we had at points the Floronic Man mentioned, we had these big things. She's heading to Seattle to do all this stuff. And then it just kind of became a nothing book, even though it had or has maybe still been selling well. It seems to be slipping a little, but I don't know where at this point, like what readers from before is this being written for? Because it seems like such a drastic change from from everything before, even if you're still dealing with the Lamia sports. It's just I don't know. Just a weird I think this is better than anything from the second road trip idea, getting back to Gotham. Even getting back to Gotham was weird because you throw in the night terror stuff. This series has been so weird, though, and it kept changing this weird play. But again, maybe I should just relax and maybe have some fun with this, but it didn't even feel like that much fun. you got a cool crew coming together right well, now I to like take that. on some zombies and slaughter swamp. Yeah, it's just weird. Do like, you think Harley and freaking Janet are going to hook up while Ivy's out again? Who cares? 
I, that's my thing. Now you care about the characters. Well, I don't care about Janet from HR and Harley. What about Harley? What about what it'll do to Poison Ivy? Do you think people who love Harley are getting enough Harley here? I think, I think people who love Harley nothing. and Ivy together are like liking the idea that Harley and Ivy are still together and they can go off and have their own lives. But you would think that anyway. I mean, you wouldn't say if, if Harley wasn't here for the three pages, she's here to say, what's up, Pam? She does nothing. Eventually I might. She's only there right now to cause drama between drama. everybody and, and Janet. Drama. Again, it's just I read this issue and I didn't I didn't hate it. I'm just saying that overall, I think that this book is such a weird play that it never seems to be able to decide what it wants to do, what it doesn't want to do. And now it almost feels like you've actually started a new story with a new writer. It just feels like, again, that it's a new writer that came in to try to get sorted out the mess from before. But it's still G. Willow Wilson, who I like. But I don't know. Seems cartoony. But I do like the the play of the... You know, Solomon Grundy and Croc. I said, I wanted Croc. I, I was afraid that Croc wasn't going to be showing up because of what they said before. Hey, I get the hunting shed. You get the hell out of here. I'm glad he showed up. And Solomon Grundy, like you said, makes sense. But at the end, you are just having Pam go, I'm going to try to get the antidotes. Then can't get the antidotes, but I'll use the antidote I already made, but I'll make more of it. Oh, no. Zombie apocalypse. Oh, it's my but How is she going to be able to cure all this? I need to find out. First off, she's going to give birth to some crazy monster in the next that issue. That thing that's or two. In her, like, poking her ribs right now, causing her How a lot many of torso times pain? are they going to mention to the point then when she says it feels like I'm giving, like it's birthing pains? Like she is going to give birth to a monster. Ever since Undyne showed up, I don't know what's going on, but I got work to do. Can't that's focus on sleeping. That's the big thing wrong. to go forward that she's going to end up, you know, birthing some sort of thing and probably be able to use that. As a player carried on, she's had the... Or will be the true mother of these zombies. I don't... Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But at the end, you do get Croc versus Solomon Grundy. And then they become a team. Just like how superheroes do it. They fight and they become a team. I'm guessing that they have this weird little thing going. You know, poison... Uh, not poison. I mean, Croc and Solomon Grundy, that they have a mutual respect. That they usually would. They might be. But they end up where... <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea. Like, this isn't the first time that they've tussled or played grab ass, uh -uh. Eric, to go with the deal. So I do like seeing it, but if it was up to you, it would have played out even better to say, like, what's going on, Solomon? Man, me and you were Oh, no, he died. And then have Croc start fighting. That would have been I'm a really you, cool I just deal. need somebody with a name tag to sit on the thing, like a troops coming in and says, hello, my name is I Hate Mondays. Hello, is yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what you need. But it would have been cool if, if Croc... Just a sticker Croc, that says, I hate Mondays. Croc would know Grundy, and I, I wish that went... Because he's doing Monday, oh, no, no, no. you know, he's doing all that, and he's he got reset. I, and I love the idea that even G. Willow Wilson has Ivy's like, yeah, we know, because everybody does. Like, this is the trope. But it would have been cool where they're like, wait a second. Like, that's what... Oh, no. And have Croc, like, be the one who realizes, like, oh, shit. He died, and Mondays. who knows what this is? Like, oh, no, he's come back bad. People don't realize that anymore, that he can come back different, things like yeah. that. So, Well, he does it all cool. the time. It's very rare that he does, so you don't get to see it very often. But people just love the big old, like, lumbering, lurking Solomon Grundy born How on How about Monday. if this was actually gangster? So, like, that would have been really cool if he came back and then he's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, Boss Grundy would have been cool, but. Yeah, at the end, you don't really go that much forward in the whole thing. It just, but I had fun reading it. I thought the book looked great, so I'm giving it a seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a five. I, I 
I didn't like the look. I thought, again, I thought it looked very cartoony. I, I wonder what people think. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. Like, I think I like got Fire and Isaac's cartoony to me. Well, I think that does as well. I think they both look pretty cartoony. How about that? I also think that uh, the next book looks a little digitally made I wish this one looked craziness. a little bit more cartoony. Actually, if you got the art from Ivy and put it in the Blue Beetle, it would be 100% better. It would be, yeah. Even if I say it's cartoony. And I don't, I don't hate the Blue Beetle art. I just think it might be better. I don't like it much. And that's what we're going to go. Oh, did we give? Oh, I gave a five. We're going to go now to Blue Beetle number four, Scarab War, or chapter four. I think it's more like attention deficit war to me because I don't know what we're supposed to focus on this story anymore. But it is Josh Trillio you want on the writing. So you do the Blue Beetle credits now? Oh, I thought I did, actually. Do you do the. <laughs> you're doing yeah. them. It's, it's I, Blue I think Beetle, it threw Jim. me off with the Poison Ivy because I started doing that at the beginning. You give but the Blue credits. Blue Beetle number four, written by Josh Trillio, with art by Adrian Gutierrez, Will Quintana, Nick Filardi, and Lucas Catoni. So, Jim. We have Jaime now, ever since Tracy 13 told him, you should have killed that goddamn blood scarab, wondering him to himself and everybody else, should I, should have, I killed have killed that goddamn, that goddamn blood, blood scarab? <laughs> I'm going to go around, I'm going to ask people, and then if they don't give me the right answer, I'm going to ask somebody else, because you know what, that goddamn blood scarab, he is targeting my friends and family, and me being the blue beetle, I don't know if I can handle that. Maybe my ex-girlfriend, maybe she's right, maybe I am a bitch, maybe that's why she broke up with me. I need to get back with Tracy 13, and the only way to do that is kill me a goddamn blood scarab. And, and should I kill the goddamn blood scarab? Because I think I should kill the goddamn blood scarab. I don't think you should kill the goddamn I, I don't care of you. I, at one point, this book, I, I didn't like Graduation Day, and I said to you the idea, and that was the first mini, that this, this yeah. supposedly is an ongoing. They're trying to make the Blue Beetle movie more like the comic book more like the Blue Beetle movie. Then they wanted to, like, hey, well, the movie's coming out. Let's continue this because I don't think it was sales. And then you get to this, and I don't think many people are reading or buying this. That's just me. I might be wrong. But you still are not giving a book where, first off, it feels like you're putting Blue Beetle in a great light or that you are concentrating on Blue Beetle or the whole anything. This story is all over the place. Has this way issue. too many characters. There's too and many for characters. Some reason, even the idea where this becomes like a weird spinoff of itself, just saying like, and now it's this character. It's almost like a TV show where a character that you liked in one show he moves away and starts his own show. But you have Blue Beetle doing that himself, and Brenda and Paco show up because, oh yeah, we live here too now, just because we're all friends. No reason. When it first started, we said, "Boy, that's a bad mistake for this book to get." You know, Pedro. And Brenda out Paco. of the mix. So, or Paco, I mean. And then they end up where suddenly they just make it fudge to do it. Like, why can't just this be El Paso? Just say El Paso. Yeah. And and the whole idea of that trying to, you know, do that crazy. So you get to this. And then, out of nowhere, Josh Trillio, he loves to think that the big play was always Blue Beetle and Starfire. Starfire is, like, first on... Jaime's, you know, call list, like his speed dial, boom, Starfire. I'm like, I still Starfire don't get that. a goddamn mentor to him now and just constantly hanging around the city while doing you know, Titan things over in Bloodhaven. But in my mind, the whole, you know, just, and this is where I was saying about Kelly Thompson earlier in The Birds of Prey, where I think that old Majero is going to be like, hey, let's hug it out and let's. In this, you have this weird play, like even Starfire, who shows up, and again, Jaime's just going around saying, 
hey, what should I do? Let's talk to the aliens from the horizon. Ooh, that ooh Lee. I go, these characters. And it says, ah, you didn't kill the blood scarab. That's why you're weak and you suck. Oh, thanks for the date. Bye-bye. And then you have Jaime going to the people. Goes to Starfire. Man, I think that I really have to kill that blood scarab. You know that blood scarab. Man, that blood scarab is probably going to end up killing all of my family and friends. And if I ended up getting him and taking him down, he'll probably escape from wherever they put him because, you know, that's what happens. And then I'll feel bad down the line. What do you think I should do? Starfire basically says, well, I don't think you should do that. But if you do end up doing that, I'll, I'll support you because I support you. She says nothing and then leaves. I'm like, why can't somebody say first off to him, shut the hell up. We're going to take him down. Like, why don't they just go right now and start doing it? He's busy talking and yakety yakking to everybody about what he should or shouldn't just do. Just be Blue Beetle. Because in the meantime, why well, I want Jaime Reyes to be the Blue Beetle and take on the Blood Scarab and learn the freaking secrets of the Blood Scarab and why this is important to the origins of Kaji Dao on planet Earth. No, we're going to go off now. While Jaime's having his contemplative moments, did you ever realize that the, the yellow beetle and Paco, well, Paco's into her. They're going to go out on a date, and Paco's going to talk about how, you know, I used to be a bit of a chummy kid, but I really came to my own little kissy-kissy here. But you know who else we need on top of them and the horizon and entire other alien species that now live in Palmyra City is we need to bring back the fadeaway, man. We need to bring back gimmicks. You know, they need to be a part of this, too, because... Why would we want to deal with Blue Beetle in a Blue Beetle comics when you can have all these throwaway characters that were mentioned a little bit, but like briefly talked about in Graduation Day? Because it's called Blue Beetle. Please give me Blue Beetle. They're doing nothing for the story overall while you actually have the character, the main character, really dealing with some heavy shit right now. But you want to have this weird side stuff that has nothing to do with anything. Where Honestly, you might get to the idea where the Blood Beetle shows up. Oh, you don't got to do this alone, Jaime, because we're all a family and we're together and we talk shit through. But... It's so boring to get through at this point. Yeah, I, I want to see Paco get some pool going on, but not this bad. But no. And again, you said the idea of this book almost feeling like, uh, you know, a sitcom where somebody moves to another town and whatnot. And then in that sitcom, you're also setting up backdoor pilots for others. Think you're not. And this is where, again, I'll go back to that stupid deal of everybody fighting. And what's wrong with comics? What it's, You're never going to have a straight answer. Everybody likes their own things, whatnot. People be triggered by one thing that other people will love. But one of the things that really is driving me nuts and things like this, say a hawk girl, think, concentrate on the character. Well, that's been a problem this book all the time. And it has been. And it was the deal. When we did that graduation day miniseries, all I kept saying, because I'm coming in wanting to be shown man what's really cool you love Jaime so you have that another perspective of it where you have big things that should be I don't even know if this is the Jaime that I love anymore though because it's just so far removed from anything I like because they're doing their own thing and trying to make it into the movie I'm like because the idea people love like I think I've said it on either a spotlight or the last podcast the idea that people love the Blue Beetle movie but don't understand that everything that was made up for that movie, like everything that was done that was made up and was so far removed from anything in the comic books. Like, I and look that at that and be like, its own is it thing even the Blue fun, Beetle anymore? Right? But when you tie it into the comics, it's going to get somebody like you upset. Well, here I am. I bred, we bred a bunch of Blue Beetle stuff, but I am still at that point where I need to be shown that I should love the kid. Like, oh man, he's cool. Like, really, that's all it is. I'm like a little kid. I need to see yeah, cool things. From that graduation day to here, 
I think about things, and again, I'm a I'm a dummy. I can't remember things all the time, but shit does stick when it's cool and over the. I I don't remember anything really being cool. You know what I think about when I think of this and graduation day already? Other characters. I think why was Starfire so much in? Oh, why did the Justice League show up and there wasn't even a Justice League at that point? I never think. Yeah, I never think of. Oh man, that was cool. When or I say, why aren't you giving us a little bit more of these other Beatles? If you end up where you're going to give extra characters, do stuff with the Beatles. Where is John? <laughs> he died. Or it was just oh. yesterday. It was the day that he got shot, uh, and also Zach's birthday, my son. But you end up where all this, like, you're still having a play where you get these writers come in, and I don't know if it's that they just don't have a connection to the wider. History of the characters or the DCU Where when they show up It's almost obvious that they're not that Real interested in the character That they're supposed to be writing They add other characters You kind of get that play that they're like "Ooh, I kind of fancy that character a little more I like doing this with that And yet you're leaving the main character Behind and when you're reading A Blue Beetle book I want to be Wowed by Blue Beetle I want to see why Jaime can be a hero Is a hero Compared to other, you know, DCU heroes and even Ted Kord. Like, what makes him go? You barely deal with Kanji Da. You, you rarely well, yeah, deal with not, him not either. At all. But the idea, too, when, like, Jaime is going through his contemplative phase trying to figure out if he should murder a man or not, he finally goes to Victoria Kord. He's like, hey, if you were trying to kill someone like me, how'd you do it? She's like, oh, shit, this is interesting. Come on in here, Jaime. We got to talk about some stuff because now you're speaking Victoria Court's language. But she's going off like, our beloved uncle was murdered in an act of senseless violence. Then the same thing happened to our father. And then there's a little editor's note. More about dead courts. Check out Blue Beetle number two, 1967, and Forever Evil number one. And I'm like, why the fuck would you ever bring up Forever Evil? Because in that whole idea of Forever Evil, Jaime Reyes was already a thing. There was no Ted Cord yet, no Blue Beetle, because what Ted Cord was introduced in that issue as a young man when his father was killed during the Forever Evil thing when the crime syndicate came to town. He, he hadn't become Blue Beetle yet. He hadn't been that character, but Jaime had already been about for years at that point. So I'm like, don't, don't reference, reference that because that continuity does not work anymore. That's over there in like New 52 universe. Like do something over there. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. Don't say it. Things change, even though we're still in that same continuity and timeline. It doesn't really work. There's a lot of things like that that don't work. But again, is that showing that they kind of don't know, or is it just a stupid little note? It's a stupid I little think, thing that they're trying to I think to it's a stupid little know. note that they're almost making it try to seem like they're, you know, they're the smart ones in the room. But again, in this issue, there's. Like, nothing in this issue is a point where I sit there and think, oh, my God, I got to tell Eric that this happened. Next time you would see Ted Cord in the comics continuity, he had already retired from being Blue Beetle because he had a heart problem. That's how they played that off next. It's hard. I'm trying to – the way that I can really explain the deal, there are certain characters to me that you can deal certain ways. Like, Poison Ivy. I mean, her doing that whole Lamia Spores and things, that's very interesting within her deal. That's controversial. <laughs> but you play it both ways or whatnot. But when you end up getting somebody like a Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, I mean, I think that the number one thing, like you, Josh Trillio should have, first off, he should have the cover of the comic right next to him as he's writing because it says Blue Beetle. And he should be reminded of that. But also, I don't know. I think he thinks he's having fun here, but it's boring. It's not fun. And your throat, he threw in 
some things that I think even you were intrigued with, with the horizon and these new Beatles. Oh, and things that the could be the deal, yeah. And so those could be it, but he's, he doesn't seem that concerned with those. Instead, it's a date with Pi. We barely know these other Beatles. That he, in fact, he had to have that one issue. It might have been the last one, the one before, where you legitimately just have them like, I'm this and I do that and I do this and that because he never set it up. So they have to do it in a very forced way. Even the idea of the horizon showing up, like I could think about the idea of like the the two sections of an original race is breaking off because of different ideals like you had with the Maltusians. One became the Guardians, the other became the Controllers. You have the Green Lanterns on one side, you have the Dark Stars on the other. Like that's cool little offensive and both sides think they're right about it. You could have the same thing with this because you have different Beatles, but you just have refugees like A-Town over here and doing a, a very little else with it. Yeah. And you're not doing it. I mean, what you end up having is you have the aliens show up just to show how awful some humans are. And then in this one, kind of that, oh, us aliens, we think different. You should just go take. We're about survival. You should have killed. Yeah, aliens pay taxes? I don't I, know. I, I would have said if I was me, I'm there. And it's such a weird <laughs> play. Like, she thinks it's a date, but it, it felt very aggressive and mean. But it's then when fine. she. When she says, though, is like, man, you should have killed him. I think you're weak. Like, I would, if I was Jaime, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like, go, go back to your damn well, you can, whatever. You can always just think, like, hey, we have different cultures. I understand you have a point of view from where you're from. We do the things differently. He doesn't here. do that either. He thinks, oh, I my understand. God, I think she's right, and I'm going to go kill this thing. But I better – like, the idea that Jaime, it even crosses his mind. That he should kill. He's worried about his friends and family. Again, you have to twist and turn to get there, though, and jump through hoops. I would take him down, but that means he'd probably be in jail for like five years, and then he'd get out, and then he'd come back. Okay, but that's not on you. You gotta, I don't know. It's just very odd. And and the book doesn't center on Blue Beetle. I mean, he's barely even Blue Beetle, actually, in and this And like you'd imagine, issue. too, the idea that you see the uh, the host of, you know, the Blood Scarab in this, and it seems like he is actually a victim of the Blood Scarab and is pretty much, you know, being forced to do all these terrible things. His name is Javier Basualdo. Yep. Yeah, Javier Basualdo. It doesn't matter. It, you, you see his face once, but, you know, Blood Scarab's alive, and Jaime's going to try to kill his ass at some point. Hopefully he fails. But very disappointing issue for Blue Beetle. He'll realize that this isn't a thing. The Blood Scarab is not doing this willingly. Kanji Da is going to talk him down like Jaime did to Kanji Da using lethal tactics all those Kanji times before. Because Kanji Da seems to just kind of do nothing. <laughs> it really doesn't do much. I, I, well, how good is that, though, where Kanji Da talks Jaime Reyes down like Jaime Reyes used to do to the Scarab all the time? Yeah, that is true. Eric. That is great. That's fucking lovely. What would you give this? A five out of ten. I think the art's fine. It's just very disappointing and does nothing overall except for, do I need to kill this man? Oh, you said yes? Let me go ask somebody else. You said no? I better go Uh-oh. talk to Victoria about how to kill a man. <laughs> I love that. It's like, up oh, one to one. I better go find but, out how hey, to kill him. Tracy was upset too, so it's two to one. Uh, maybe the play could, like, in my mind, you go and say, hey, Victoria, how would you kill me? And then she's like, I do this, this, and this. And then figure out from there how you can subdue them, not quite get to the killing part. But Murder. Maybe we'll get that. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I give it, I, uh, I'm going to give it a four. Four out of, I just, I don't like the art. I think that it's messy. And this whole thing means nothing. But we'll go on to 
the last book that has Lobo on the cover. Eric, you love the Lobo. I love it's, Lobo. It's Fire and Ice, number four, written by Joanna Starr, art by Natasha Bustos, Tamara Bonvalon, and Ariana Mayer. And again, I, I'll tell you right away, I don't think many people are reading this book. Unfortunately, at the beginning but you of got it. this book. Well, I, I did see some people it's your that. book of the year. People never gave it a chance, <laughs> but wanted to shit on it right away. And I, I don't mind if you give something a chance and you don't like it. You may end up loving things that I don't like or whatnot, because I thought the first couple issues, me and Simon did some. I thought it actually played off the idea of making it seem like it was going to be one thing, and then it wasn't. I keep bringing up the idea, you know, a guy in a wheelchair who you thought, oh, here we go. And he actually was kind of not a piece of crap. He was kind of like just a regular guy who ends up saying, I kind of use this to get chicks and on the line. And it was actually, it felt almost refreshing. To kind of tell jokes Charlie like that. Charlie uses his disadvantage as an advantage. Yeah, and, and Charlie ends up owning a bar. And even the joke when you end up having fire come in, you're like, why is that bar so low? And then you say, oh, he's in a wheelchair. There was some funny little plays. The problem from the get-go isn't, you know, the hateful. It was that these characters don't seem like the characters. It does seem like a jokey book. I've said all along, it feels like that one Star Squadron by Mark Russell. I didn't really like that. One Star Squadron meets Blue and Gold, but both. But this is somehow worse, it feels like. Yeah, and at this point in four issues, now I've gotten to the point where really, again, I, we hit this a lot, but it just it doesn't matter. There's no reason to read it. There's nothing going on in this book that it will ever mean anything. Because you have the chance to do something really important with Fire Ice, two characters of people like newer readers might not know about. To like, let's introduce them in a good way and not just make them parodies of themselves or even just lesser versions of fucking, you know, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. For this issue, though, and I want to specify this before I even get into it, like Jim talked about at the beginning, we have no agenda here or there. This issue decided to say, I don't care about the characters. Let's fucking hurt the actual characters to say, hey, everybody, here's a drag show in Smallville. And... You make Ma Kent say, I lie to Jonathan Kent so I go to this drag show and have and get drunk at 11 a.m. at a drag show brunch. She's hammered. And, like, and the drag show itself does nothing for this issue. It just fills up space. And I have no idea why we did anything because even on top of that, like Martha Kent feels weird for the way she's acting in this. But then Fire is like the worst person you've ever seen before in your life because all she – she is – the most exaggerated, like, she is worse than Booster Gold at his most Booster Goldiness, and I don't understand how that's possible for this character. It seems like Joanna Starr is trying to get the feel of the Justice League, the whole play with the JLI, but she's not quite getting the characters and forcing them into that. And what I'll tell you, what she's doing is she's trying to get the feel of that from something that she heard that it was like. She didn't read it herself. She heard what it was like. She's going to try to do that to a lesser degree. At one point, you even have where Guy Gardner comes up again, and, and it has to be like that piece of shit. Like, nobody can get past that. But also, here's how I'll explain it. And again, He's a hero. I do believe in, <laughs> and we didn't even mention it, but a drag show came up in the Blue Beetle. It feels at this point like it's thrown in there to trigger people. Like, it feels like it's like a vendetta. It feels like the opposite. And where I have the biggest problem, and I don't know if this will make sense, it just feels like Joanna Starr is trying to upset certain people, but they're not going to be reading this. They're not going to be reading the fourth issue of the series. They wouldn't have been reading any of the issues of this series. And then to top that off, you seem to want to put that in here 
to show that the characters in your book are open-minded, good people, but yet you make them pieces of shit instead. I don't understand it. You know what I mean? That's the way that I think Joanna Starr is doing this is to show, hey, everybody, even if it was so fully altruistic that she's like, listen, I know people get upset about things, but I want to show them that everybody can enjoy whatever they want. And let's all just get along. I don't think that's the case. But even that show it in a light where the you end up making fire in this issue. Just a stone cold jerk. Just even the idea where Lobo comes into the. But they're now using a just random cave as their real world road rules fucking bullshit. We're going to like, you know, have confessionals about the villains and stuff like that, where they say that gentleman ghost for some reason possesses people, even though he doesn't. But you have this global like, I want in on all this and I'm going to be a piece of crap to everybody. All these people here, I'm going to beat the crap out of them. And you know what fire's going to do? She's going to hit on me because she likes it. And then we're going to fool around in the freaking like the, the weeds later on for no reason at all. After she comes off as a complete bitch. And like, you know, this like ruin her relationship with Ice this entire time. Well, you have Rocky Road, who nobody's throwing red flags up the idea that she's trying to separate fire and ice. And it's just a psychopath as well. And there, there's plays here that maybe if it was developed better, it'd be cool. But I think that in a weird way, I, is it that fire and Lobo end up having, you know, crazy sex in, in the, the fields to then have fire realize, oh, wait, you know, I don't think it will be, but like. Oh, you know, Ice like Guy Gardner, that piece of shit. And I like Lobo. He's a piece of shit. So maybe we're kind of, it's weird. Oh my God. That's the thing. I, now I just want a serious book for this where Fire and Lobo are a couple. They go on a double date with Guy and Ice. And I just want Ice and, I mean, uh, F- uh, Guy Gardner and Lobo to fucking duke it out during this fight to see who can take on who. I, I just want it to be like the idea that they're like, oh my God, they, this is how I play her. I just want people fighting now. <laughs> well, what I would want is the idea where, Oh my god, I can't believe you've been dating Lobo. Well, you're dating Guy Gardner. Well, we have this date. We have to go, no way, they're going to ruin it. This will be the worst. And when they go on the date, it's Fire and Ice that ruin it. Actually, Lobo and Guy Gardner are very much the gentlemen and realize how to act. They're just sitting there drinking brewskis. Yeah, that's all. They just want to get drunk and have a good time. We thought, yeah, they thought we were going to fight. Why would we fight? We just want to get drunk and have fun. Uh, But in this, like you, you said, if you're going to go with characters and things like that, first off, like I said about Harley and Poison Ivy in the Poison Ivy book, if Poison Ivy and if Harley never shows up in the book, I'm not going to think that they're having problems. I would think, OK, it's just not the book. They're fine because that's a given. The idea that you want to prove that Martha Kent would be fine with anything. Martha Kent's probably pretty much open minded and very loving yeah. anything that would happen, whatever, even. If, but then she shows up and just gets hammered. And then just ends up, and also the idea that you have to throw in almost that, get this, Jonathan Kent, he would, no way, not on my watch. Like, she has to lie to him? Like, that, why are you doing that? That's the thing, that, it's not the thing that gets me upset, it's the reaction and how these characters are acting in, you know, it, it's just nonsense. And and overall, it means nothing. You're just throwing it in there to trigger people, hopefully in your mind, to get people to make videos and scream and yell because you need some sort of hype to this book whether negative or positive and even if you don't want that idea of that it's like okay and then they're gonna walk out of the drag show when they're kicked out and miss congeniality she has a hate group telling them to get this filth out of gotham and fire is gonna virtue signal it by punching this bigot and now we're gonna move on because it served no purpose but just to just to be here to make people happy for one second or make people pissed off another second and i'm like 
just, just, just don't hurt the characters. Tell a good story. That's all I want. They're like, you want to put labels on something like you're this or you're that. I am here just to say, make good comics. Write yeah, and good that, stories. That's, again, Please. this is where I'm going back to the fight thing and even talking about the Bobino. First off, yeah, here's, here's my play. And who am I? But make sure the issues are about the characters that are the star of the issues. You know, you have to make them a focus. But be caretakers for these these. And if this is an editor that has to be there, somebody needs to be there to say, I don't know that this feels right, but you can't anymore. Because then somebody will care. Oh, I wasn't allowed to do this. I wasn't allowed to do that. But you know what trumps it all? A fucking good story. And anything can work in my mind. And I, I'm telling you, now I'm getting angry at, I don't know who. Everybody. <laughs> the idea that we have been on this, it, damn, Eric gave a Tim Drake Robin a book of the week because he liked what was going on. We go into these issues, like you said, you may joke that I have a vendetta and I'll kill you. But the joke. idea where we don't end up saying like, oh, we're not going to read that because of this or, you know, that person. I just want a good story. And writers can make anything a good story. You could tell me the craziest thing, but if a writer takes care and writes, that's all I want because we have shitty stories all around. It doesn't matter sexuality, this straight. There's some real shitty stories all around. I just want good stories, but not don't just throw shit in there and then make the, I don't even know. It's so disappointing. This is why I this stuff, it, it more makes me depressed than angry, because when I read this stuff, I just think that, all right, these, there's going to be more people who have bailed, even people who aren't having a problem with anything where they're like, I just want a good story because this is no, it's a goof. It ends up like you said, it's a parody. It's a goof. It doesn't feel right. It's all over the place. And you have what could have been maybe some cool new characters and some other. But you're not going to deal with that. And as we, and the thing is, in the previous issue, we ended with one of these, you know, contestants to Fire and Ice's little reality TV game show, whatever you want to call it, eating beef eater. A cannibal, she had a cannibalistic curse put on her, and it's like, it, nobody really talks about it, this issue. Oh, she went to Blackgate. I'm like, you do know you're in Smallville, right? Smallville, Kansas, and the closest big old prison that you might know is Iron Heights at that point. Why are you going across the country to go to Blackgate? It's a weird throw, and it's very narrative for me to say that, but I'm sitting here, I'm like, that's very weird. Yeah. I, everything's off. It just doesn't feel like, like where's it Where's the cannibals? I, just, I don't know. Why Maybe. is nobody worried about the cannibals? <laughs> and the, the problem with all this overall is that Maybe we should have just drop this book. Maybe we should. Maybe but you we should like now. this book. I did, but I'm saying that when we talk about this, it just turns into a hey, shit show. Hey, but the show. thing is, I'll tell you this: you were right in the previous issue, or maybe the previous one before that. But you were dead on the idea that mass sitting on the wall is up to no good for whatever reason, because we just have weird artifacts hanging on the salon wall. Because this might be the Wendigo curse coming to life and yeah, causing people to I eat think each that's other. What it is? But by the end, somebody sets the salon on fire, and we have somebody who has horns like on that mask that's hanging up on the wall. And we have two instances of two characters coming into contact, so it's a mystery. But I don't think anybody reading this really cares about that mystery. Is it Rocky Road? Is it that employee that fire nice after the salon? Who knows? Come back next time to find out. You said Rocky seems like oh my god, Rocky. But oh, she's a crazy bitch. Could she, though, be infected by one of these curses? God, I hope so. She can't be like that in person, right? Here, I'm, I'm asking you, though. How would we know? We don't know yeah. the character. And then Ice and Fire, they're acting like Fire's acting. But do you think this happened before? Again, I, I bring this up where one Bendis came over to the Superman stuff and shit was wonky. And you thought, well, is he 
changing something. Is it wonky on purpose trying to do something? Is he doing something or is he fucking up? And that's how I feel through this the whole is fucking, fucking issue. Where I sit here, I'm like, well, are we going to find out that? E-? And if you do end up in issue six and it ends, I'm like, oh, by the way. Fire was a real bitch throughout all this because she was being infected. Well, that's not a good story then, because you you should you said I said caretakers. You even said this is a lot of people's first introduction to these characters, and you want to have the idea like you would think Blue so. Beetle for me. You want to have the idea. How I else really am I going to get these. McFarlane action figures unless this sells? What characters in this would you say? Oh man, I really fell in love with that character. They're Beef all eater. assholes to each other, right? Beef eater, all right, P. <laughs> even even at the point where fire comes back and the girl from the girl yeah the girl from the salons making out with honey then you say again in that honey definitely feels like she's mind controlling her to do that but you don't know because we no, don't know these I characters. I don't know what this character's into. That's what I'm saying. It's it's all over. And then I love the idea. Fire comes in. What the hell you doing? Play grab ass in here. Yes, we <laughs> like each other. Grab ass in the title, right? Yeah, has, to be, has a smile. All right, runs in because she had brought Lobo back to knock boots. Well, we can't knock boots here. Let's go into the grass. Ass. What I was saying about not talking, I'm not just talking about right now, and this is where people do end up saying, well, if you don't like it, you shouldn't review it. And we do end up trying to review just about every book. We do it because this could end up out of nowhere. Coming up somewhere down the line of being important We're going to read most of the books and talk about them, right? <laughs> it's not, that's what I'm saying I, It's just like Blue and Gold did We should have a Patreon vote it's Not the badass vote for the books of the. We should have a vote if we, if we should even bother With this shit, but I think not a lot of people it's Are reading it, bad. so we're letting them know it's, it, it feels like In this book, everybody Has decided, go fuck yourself We're going to just do random shit because we want to. Like There's barely a story. Fuck you. There's barely a story. I mean, really, the only character that is accurately portrayed is being done that way to look like a piece of shit is Lobo, but he's actually the only accurate one here. Maybe Crypto. Good old Crypto. Yeah, I'll run. But again, I don't really know Elrond from back in the day Who if does? this is even accurate. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the thing is, I will give the credit a lot to the art. I know you don't love this art. Just the idea that through the art, without any dialogue, I legitimately see Martha Kent in the progression of getting drunk off her ass. It really plays out. I'm At like, 11 a.m. At this one point. Like, There's two ways to do, Martha. You live on a I, farm. I'm just saying. I think she drove there. She's <laughs> going to get in the truck. She's going to kill somebody. Superman's going to come in and have to fucking fly around the world backwards, right? She lied to Jonathan that she's at book club right now. How's her ass getting home? Yeah, how's she getting home? Also, what is John going to say? Like, what the fuck book club are you at? Drinky, drinky. No, no, that's book club. I understand that. Martha's trying to pretend she's an alcoholic straight out from this because she doesn't even say she's drinking a mimosa. She goes, oh, my God, I've had so much orange juice. I'm like, you bitch. You are like, and they're all enabling her. She's she's drunk off her ass. Uh, Next thing you know, she's in the field with Lobo. Uh, uh, Like, again, Superman made Fire and Ice go to this town, and yet he has no idea that his mom's a drunk, lying to that. Not even, it doesn't matter who or what she's lying about. The idea of, you know, why it's just everything felt weird. It's very odd. I get you. Ay, ay, ay. But then, yeah, it's, you know, you have fun at the drag show. I see a Martian Manhunter there. Oh, no, everybody looks great except for that fire. Terrible drag. 
it is funny too. I love where they're like, "Oh, it looks like like she's mad." Like there is some funny things, but it's bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. But oh well, oh well, Eric. We got Two a out lot of, of fun. Also, they have no idea that gentlemen ghosts can't possess people. Yeah, <laughs> why do that? It, well, it's actually a more accurate portrayal of dead man than the dead man we got in the Clue and Red Wonder Woman. So I'll give him sure. credit there, right? Yeah, two out of ten. So bad. It it just means nothing. But that's that. Eric. Now I'm now I'm depressed. Now I have to go. I have you? to go and edit this shit, and then I'm gonna hear. I have to hear it again. I gotta hear lose our mind again. So shout out to future Jimmy. I love you, my man. Hey everybody, it's Future Jimmy here, and right now it's uh it's actually ten after three a.m. Just wanted to stop in and tell past Jimmy that I hate his guts. That's it. We're gonna get back to the show. Uh, but what is your book of the week? My book of the week is Shazam number six. It's funny. Uh, I my book of the week is Batman's uh, Santa. I keep wanting to say Superman. Batman Santa Silent Night. I do think if you read that, you're gonna probably at least tie. With Shazam, or Possibly. maybe even think it's better. It's, it's just fine. No, well, you didn't. You didn't read it because you are a. I was going to say a sack in the mud. Sack in the mud. Big old sack in the Don't mud. They say that a sack in the mud always oh, playing, that, point. playing that grab ass is what you've been doing, Eric. I just want to mention it one last time. But here we go. Kind of a heated ending. Right? You like that? Were you heated? No, I don't. I don't know. We were getting upset about things, but we're we're back to calm now, and we're going to talk about what we will be it talking about sad. next week. I am that sort of thing. People think that uh, again. We've had review. Listen to that faux anger and things like that. It's not. I just when we're talking about things, I really want to love everything. So me and you can laugh, tell jokes, even when we don't like something, but it's fun enough to tell jokes or whatnot. And then you just get a bunch of books that you just think these people don't give a shit. That And it just feels like that. I, I don't want to end up being in a viral video and have Mark Miller have to call me, so I'm not going to go that far. But it just it's depressing seeing this fight going on and just the idea that creators are fighting with fans and fans are fighting with other fans and things like that. That's not what comics are supposed You're to be. You're fighting with me. And, well, me fighting with you, that's the sort of thing. It went from being the idea. I think that the real problem was is that people either were not allowed to beat up nerds anymore or the idea that comics comics and, and mo- they became cool. So then all of a sudden, the people who were bullied became the bullies. And it just doesn't make sense to me. But that's what happens all the time. But now it's just this fight. Nobody's fighting with a comic nerd anymore and say, no, you, so you don't have that camaraderie. You don't have like that. You have to sneak around with comics and then talk in whispers, right? I guess. I didn't have anybody to talk to, really. The problem now should be a golden age of being able to talk to people, but instead, everybody has to fight. They just fight. (laughs) What used to be fun little discussions at a comic book store have now become people threatening other people's lives and things like that. So you say fun little discussions. It's me losing my mind at Tony's shop saying, but if Superman never died in the New 52, how did Hal Jordan become Parallax? I'm just yelling, just making people leave the store. (laughs) If he said, I don't agree with you, did you then say, I'm never talking to you again and leave and never talk to him again? No, because it was a friendly talk. You were having that fun discussion. Now it's just, you don't agree Plus, with I, me. I'm blocking you. I'm doing that. You know, <laughs> that's true. That guy needed to pay his bills. But still, that's the fun part. There is a fun 
bit of comic book arguing that deals with everybody loving comics and this doesn't feel like that anymore it feels like people are using comics to draw a line in the sand in weird ways and to decide who you're gonna talk to or who you're gonna block or who you this or that just don't get it i don't get it and a lot of people legitimately guy while we were recording this eric blocked me i mean that's crazy right so i just don't get it i don't get it but here's what we're going to talk about next week i get that all right two of these will be on the patreon spotlight and you could go to the Patreon, and and every every person who joins the Patreon is a vote to loving comics. Eric. That's what I think. I think that our and Patreon, vote to see if we do fire and ice going forward. Our Patreon, I think, is to prove that there is still love of comics in general, and that people with different opinions. Because I'll tell you, the people on the Patreon, badasses down the line, the Get Fresh crew, not everybody but- agrees. Not everybody thinks the same thing. Some people get triggered by something. Some people don't. Some people this. But really, especially in the Slack, it's it's comics, and we all love it, and everybody tries to get along. There's a little fights, right, <laughs> usually with me. But yeah, it's because we're enthusiastic about it, not because we, we hate people. And Jim loves fighting. Yeah, you do too. You were just saying, like, I like fights that are like those, I can't even Old talking about, I don't talk to people enough to fight. When you used to fight, well, you used to fight with Tony. I'm saying that because when you used no, I to see fight, yell at a shop, make well, when you used to fight and yell at each other, like you would keep it to the fight because if not, somebody might punch you in the face. There's something to be said about that. Mike Tyson uh, said, I, I, "I never fought with Tony. I just yelled at the store a lot." Isn't that what people people on he, he Twitter didn't care. and he wasn't like reading. Mm, <laughs> so there you go. Comic store owner that didn't read anything because he barely could pay his bills. But still, why are you talking shit on Tony? I don't know. Fuck him. I'm going to be like these other people. I don't like him. And again, there was never a point where you ended up saying, like, who are you voting for president? Because that's going to matter to me with comics I like against you. It just doesn't make sense. Action Comics number 1060, Eric. All right. That's a big one. Yeah, it's the end of the whole Philip Kennedy Johnson. We'll see how that works out. Oh, Nora Stone is actually on Planet Al Ghul. (laughs) What a weird twist. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to make a statement here, a broad statement. If Philip Kennedy Johnson is able in this last issue to explain that properly and have a ending that isn't just Nora Stone disappearing. I'm talking like an ending that we said, oh, my God, everything now makes sense. I will follow that guy to the gates of hell. I will never bet. Even if he writes the word, because I think he's pretty good. But I will be a lifelong fan that will support him through and through. If he's able to do that, if he is able, that shows me that's a hell of a writer. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I end up being able to follow him through the to the gates of hell. We also have. I'll your follow, but you'll meet up there eventually. I will, but <laughs> they'll they'll escort me in real quick. I won't be able to get the lay of the land very well. Batman, no Santa Claus, Silent Night number two. It's a weekly book, very weekly. Holy it's shit! Coming out. To four issues each week. Me and Zach will be talking about that. I hope it continues. I thought to be it was really a one shot. No, no, it's actually a, a four issue. See, you would know if you read it that at the end, fucking Krampus shows up ready to grab it. You would know if you read it, it would say to be continued. Krampus. Yeah, it does say that as well. Batman and Robin number four. That book's got to start doing stuff. Hey, you shush it. That's, my, that's a little, that's a little, little wordplay. Shush. I didn't even say, but two of these books will be on the Patreon. Spotlight picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh-uh. Batman and Robin, 
number four. Yeah, that that again. There's another book that I'm waiting for it to grab me, right with the grabbing the ass there. I need it to. I just I don't feel like I even know why that book exists, except that it's a Batman or Robin book, and they wanted one out. So hopefully that gets going. We have two books, crazy-ass two books that me and Simon will be talking about. I'm pretty sure. I'll have to get a hold of them. Batman City of Madness, number two, and Batman Gargoyle of Gotham, number two. And Gargoyle of Gotham was delayed, I think, a month and a half, even with a two-month schedule. It's crazy, but yeah, we didn't enjoy either of them, but uh, I'm hoping that we end up turning around with that. But that's Black Label, Eric two craps uh, about that now when i talked when me and zach talked about the idea of the batman santa claus silent night number two i did mention that at first i thought oh it's one of those nonsense things like those anthology things that come out speaking of which if you we're not going to talk about it but dc's twas the might before christmas (laughs) (laughs) now those are the things that drive me nuts but sometimes those anthologies again we won't be talking about but sometimes those are kind of cool to jump on at times to see some new writers or, or people that don't get to write a lot of things, and maybe that's their springboard. So and sometimes they suck, or they forget that Harley Quinn's Jewish. Sometimes there, well, that part specifically, but usually not so great. Detective Comics number one thousand seventy nine. All so right, we end up having that. By that the way, too, Action Comics. I will have a song for that. Finally, I, it really upset me when we ended up realizing that we didn't really have an Action Comics song. So we got that coming up next week as well. Oh, thank God! This one's going to be able. Thank to, God. This is going to be able to go forward though and be like relative to Action Comics after Philip Kennedy Johnson's run, though, right? Shut your mouth! Right? You shut your mouth. Well, actually, I do have an old Bizarro song that I could redo. It was to a Beatles <laughs> song, Eric. It was to a Beatles song. Uh Detective Comics number 1079, we continue, as you said, Batman being hung. I mean, isn't that a given, really? Actually, uh-huh. I, I'm actually guessing, just uh, on a whim for a comic book story. I, th- I don't think he has a big penis. That's just me. Weird. I think he's overcompensating for a lot of that, right? It, it's not. You've seen it. It, the thing is, though, you end up and you always not think that, oh, look at Bruce playing that Playboy deal because he's, you know, love him and leave him. No, it's because they get the fuck out because he can't end up satisfying. He's just trying to make it seem like he's doing that persona Rejection. Playboy deal. Yeah, he's having problems there. Yeah. I thought you said rejection. Like, no, projection. Uh, we'll see. I I did start liking the Ramsey Detective story here, but it seems like five issues might have been a little too long for the intermezzo that he calls it. Green Lantern number six, a book that most people do enjoy. Uh, a lot of people gave us crap on YouTube for not loving that issue five, Eric. Most people then telling me it was their favorite issue of all time. I'm like, all it's right, weird. that's cool. But we thought that it was a weird play. But with Sinestro, and ha- it's a cool thing to go forward with. So hopefully this issue, pretty cool. And it's supposed to really start to get involved in the play of the Who's United Planets. And the idea of what the Green Lantern Corps is now, he, uh, Jeremy Adams had talked about that. So that's something that we've been waiting. And also what happened on uh, the deal with uh, Kilowog. So there's a lot. Here's a weird play. Like we have Green Lantern number six. And I'm like, man, it seems like a while since we had that book. Then we get the next one. Outsiders number two. I'm like, didn't we just read that like three days we ago? But we did. have it. Outsiders number two. It's going to do it, Jim. It's going to show us how important it's going to be. Planetary. I hope. I I don't know. It it's it's it needs 
So it was kind of boring, is really what I thought. But the drummer, yeah, oh, the drummer, Tommy Lee. You know, he's probably got. I think he does have hepatitis. I don't know why I should say probably. I think that's pretty much hardcore fact. But allegedly, I don't know why you're worried about it. No, well, he's the drummer. Speed Force number two, according to a certain deal, like. Not many people are reading that book. I I worry about that, but we'll see. We'll see if it gets better, right? Bet. Okay. Remember when they said that, and I'm like, nobody says that. Uh, but Soft Boy, I think it was, says he says it all the time. That's pretty funny. I'm like, all right. I said, I asked my kids. They just looked at me and said, why are you talking to us, old man? I understand that. Titans Beast World Tour Gotham number one. Titans Beast World Tour Gotham number one. Gotcha. Yeah. Titans colon Beast World colon Tour colon Gotham number one. I just imagine it's going to be just as good as Titans Beast World Tour Metropolis number one. It's written by Chip Sadarsky, Grace okay. Ellis, Sam Maggs, Gretchen Felker Martin, and Kyle Starks, I know Chip. who I do like. I like Kyle Starks. Uh, and some artists that I don't. Oh, Kelly Jones is on one of the stories. I like Kelly Jones. And Miguel Mondanka. Yeah. I don't know the others. Oh, well. I was going to read the solicit, but it really, the solicit just repeats who's on it. So there you go. I hope that it's good. I hope that it does. Like one of these stories will probably have an editor's note. Editor's note This story takes place in 2033. <laughs> like, what the the future. <laughs> ah, but then we also have Titans Beast World number two that I'm really looking nice. forward to. I actually, besides the idea it's that make these or break two, moment. These two tie-in nonsense that we got this week that we had on the Patreon Spotlight, throw those aside. I really had fun with that first Titans Beast World. So I hope that that continues. That's all I want. We also have Wesley Dodds the Salmon, number three. Yeah, it's not bad. Man, we got to work on Friday. This is horseshit. Yeah, we got a lot of books. Eh? We got a lot of books. <laughs> or do we? Uh, I hope that we find out more about the Mad Gasser. The Mad Gasser, Jim. The Mad Gasser. And then World's Finest Teen Titans number six, a book that the will finale. be ending. Whew, that's a weird book. That's a book I that I think. to that finale because I think it finally got somewhere at the end of the last issue of World's Finest Teen Titans. To get to just an ending. Uh, exactly. I think it's one of those books that unless it carries over into the World's Finest book, we're, we're going to forget about that book. Like, it'll be two years. Okay. I'll be like, remember that? And you're like, which one? I was pissed off at the social media. Yeah, I remember it. It also gets tied in with some of those other tales of the Teen Titans because they came out at the same time. I know yeah, it was real around. We find found out that Beast Boy it healed. <laughs> that that there was the big thing about his eye. And that's what we got. It healed. Good. Thank it healed. you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Bitches. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. I, I'm kind of depressed now. I'm, I also look at the time and know I have like four hours of editing ahead of me, so that's not fun either. But Overall, again, I hate when we – I like yelling about things as, in a fun way, and we have fun you know, skewering and reviewing, as you say. But when it starts to be the idea that it just feels like everything is stacked up against I, – I just – I don't know. I don't know. People have weird ideas. But with all that, what do we say at the end of the show, Eric? Everybody have a great week. We Keep it weird. Weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. You are all weirdos. <laughs> Nude science is the revolution. Nude science is the revolution.